If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Welcome in, folks. Rob Ellis and Derek Gunn. We are Sports Take, Jacob Sports YouTube Network. Hope you're doing well out there. Happy, happy post-Eagles game Monday. Yes, they did win. Believe it or not, they did win the game uh, for sure. But there's Derek. Uh, but I did want to mention this before we get off and, and dig into the game and do everything else. Um, it is September 11th, and 22 years ago was uh, certainly a dark day for our nation today. That if you were alive for it and, and were old enough to, to be cognizant of what was going on, you're never going to forget it. Uh, it. It will impact all of us. Uh, it was a moment that you never thought it, it looked like something out of a movie. Uh, and to this day has a lasting imprint for sure on all of us and to anybody who lost anybody uh, on 9-11. Our deepest sympathies uh, for sure. But they will never be forgotten uh, and we will never forget. So anyway, I, I just. Derek, I just wanted to pass that along, you know, right off the top of the show, because I think it is so important that, that we remember that for sure. I, I uh, The most vivid memory etched in my mind is I sat there in disbelief. It was like something out of a horror movie, because we never thought that anybody would dare try to attack America on American soil. Yep. And as you watch it unfold live on television, um, you see people running. Um, just frantically and the the plumes of dust just rolling through the streets of downtown New York and then the twin towers collapsing and you're like your heart's in your throat you know um and, and I always tell the story of how um the the week before 9-11 uh my dad came to visit us here and he left here and they went he, him and his friend went to New York it was a uh, memorial um, labor day weekend and they went and to think had he been there a year later, who knows, you know, right. what could happen. Um, right. uh, uh, but so many people across America affected. Uh, so many, so many just brave people lost their lives. Even first responders in the aftermath of all that, you know, lost their lives. We, we, 
it, it just numbed the entire nation. And I remember the country being shut down for a while. We had no idea what to do, what to expect, were there more attacks coming. Um, I, I hope we never, ever have to go through anything like that again. Yep. Uh, just, just devastating. It uh, sure was. Mm. Yep. Yeah. And look, again, uh, you, you try to go on with your life, but it's always going to be there. There's always going to be that that moment, that time and thinking of all the again, all the people that we lost and all the people who are who are struggling since then. And right. uh, just think about everybody. So uh, first off, uh, good to see everybody. Appreciate you, Fitness Rebel. Dank, Calvin, uh, James, Spanish, uh, Philly. What's up, Mood Swing? Uh, M. Reyes, John Dickerson, John. We appreciate all you guys, Steve. I hope you guys are all doing well out there. All right, Gunner. So um, before we get to the game itself and the the survival, uh, if you will, uh, of the Eagles, we do have some breaking news here. Uh, Nicobe Dean, first reported by Ian Rappaport of the yeah. NFL Network. Nicobe Dean uh, will miss at least several weeks with a foot injury. He does not need surgery, uh, but you're looking at several weeks here. My guess is Christian Ellis. And Zach Cunningham will be your starters with Nicholas Morrow being brought up from the practice squad. And it wouldn't surprise me either if there would, there was going to be a move made, but uh, give me your thoughts on, uh, on, on Nicobe Dean and this blow to an already really thin linebacking core. Well, um, he was a brain trusted at defense. No, no question about it. Um, but, but I said before, I thought he was a little bit too light to play the middle. I thought he would be better suited to play off the edge. He made some plays. He, you know, he stuffed, stuffed some runs in a hole. But trying to hold up against the, um, against the you know, behemoths that are coming at him off the line of scrimmage, these big running backs, it, it's going to take its toll. You know, it was a freak accident. Every, you know, a lot of players go through freak accidents. You know, it's unfortunate. But we knew going into this season that the Eagles were thin at linebacker. And we had huge question marks about the linebacking core in general. And, of course, some of those question marks were exposed last night, especially in the past coverage game. Um, again, this is an organization for as good as they are at putting together a team. It's an organization that has always neglected this linebacking position. And I've never understood that, you know, in recent years. Um, how they're going to scramble. That remains to be seen on a short week. Um, but that's why they kept Nicholas Morrow. But my concern about him is when you brought him in here, he was penciled in as a starter on the weak side. He got no guaranteed money. And we kept we kept analyzing that time and time again. So he went from being a potential starter to getting cut to re-sign on a practice squad. They bring in guys later in camp, Cunningham, and he get beat out. Christian Ellis, he gets beat out. So how effective will he be? If they weren't that sure about him to begin with, how expect how do you expect him to plug and play and him to be any more effective than what we saw this past Sunday against a very bland Patriots offense? Now, say what you want to say about the Vikings, but they do have more explosive weapons. And once again, between the linebackers and the safeties, defending the middle of the field is a problem. And I can see it being a problem Thursday night because now you got to face that highest paid tight end in the NFL and TJ Hawkinson. But it's, it's, a, it's a shame that this young man got hurt. This team will move on. Hopefully there's enough veteran presence. Uh, Darius Slay talked about it after the game um, about how veteran presence got them through yesterday. Well, now they're really going to have to lean on that veteran presence Thursday night. Yeah. So right, let's dig into it because I mean, look, there's a lot of different ways to look at this thing. Um, you know, certainly I, I think there's a case to be made for 
it's never easy to win in the NFL. It's particularly not easy to win on the NFL on the road. It's the first game of the season when there's a lot of sloppy play around the league. Just yes. if, if you peaked at Cincinnati and Cleveland, you, you know what I'm talking about with the Bengals. Um, and you're going against the hoodie who is perhaps, you know, you, you could make a case. He's the best defensive mind that's ever done it. Right. So there, there's a lot of different ways to look at this thing. Um, I, I was not particularly thrilled with the game plan. Right. It, it, the whole game felt uh, choppy and out of rhythm. And I don't know exactly what they were trying to accomplish there. I, I'm talking offensively. We'll get into the defense and everything else. But uh, I didn't like that particularly. I didn't. I don't like I like Kenneth Gainwell, but Kenneth Gainwell to me is not someone who should be a feature back. Um, you get they ran it, they, that, that guy had eight touches on the first drive. I was shocked. Yeah. Swift oh, touches the ball twice and Penny's not active. Was DeAndre, weird. Got, DeAndre got one pass and one rushing attempt. I don't I don't understand that. You deactivate Penny, first of all. He was a healthy scratch, which I don't understand. And then on top of that, the guy you brought in who, who basically of the four backs, the most electric of the four backs is Swift. And he you basically diffused him with just two touches. I, I didn't understand the play calling at all. They went down the field, the opening game, very methodical. You know, they, they took three instead of getting a seven. But it was like, okay, here we go. They got, they've got the Patriots right where they want them. But you give Bill Belichick seven months to, to, to break you down as an offense, um, he's going to find some weak links. And, and after the game, uh, A.J. Brown said, you know, Belichick threw so many different covers looks at us, we, 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 couldn't have, we didn't have time to adjust. But that's what Belichick does. I said on a Jacob Media pregame show yesterday, Rob, I said, I expected to see a lot of Belichick with five DB sets, including three safeties at time, because they wanted to give get sides on the field. With, with They wanted to get speed more in the back end of that defense to combat the Eagles wide receivers without giving up a lot of sides. Sure enough, five-man front, one guy roaming in the middle, five on the back end. And that's exactly what they did, mix and match and – it worked. And now you understand why the Patriots have one of the better defenses in the National Football League. Unfortunately, they don't have more firepower on that offense. But once they figured out how to attack the Eagles, it made it an interesting game. No, sure. You know, a lot closer than it should have been. That, that uh, Derek, for a minute, you're saying to yourself, man, they're just going to blow them out. I mean, this is going to be feed up, relax, 16 nothing. Mac Jones can't do anything. The Eagles are just going to tee off and the offense is going to start clicking, et cetera. And then all of a sudden, probably about midway through the second, New England started getting a rhythm offensively. Yes. And, yes. you know, you, you're, you were looking at two really time-consuming – in fact, I'll give you exactly how long the drives were uh, for them uh, to, to close out the half. But they end up going and scoring twice before halftime. And then all of a sudden you're saying to yourself, all right, this is kind of a game here, you know, and, and what are the Eagles going to do? So they went on a on a, a 10-play, 71-yard drive that made it 16-7, then a 6-play, 63-yard drive. And all of a sudden at the half, they're feeling pretty good about themselves. Um, yeah. and, and they and need the ball coming out of the halftime. Right. And the other thing that stood out to me, too, you know, in, in really after the Eagles' first two drives, the first drive wasn't bad. They settled for a field goal. It was a pretty good drive as they moved the ball down the field. But drives three through seven, Derek. Yes. So, you know, this is where they really started to kind of 
stumble and you felt like, all right, something's something's going on here. But drives three through seven, you know how many net yards they had? Two. Two net yards. Yep. On five drives. Yep. So it, it, that's when you were saying this doesn't look a whole lot like last year's offense. That's for sure. You know, I, 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 let me add this also as we continue to move on in this show. We saw a lot of bad football yesterday. We saw some exciting games. We saw some shocking outcomes. Um, we saw a lot of bad football. But if, when you play a bad football that first week and you can come up with your thumbs up instead of your thumbs down, I'll take that any day of the week. And the Eagles were lucky to escape New England with that win. So you take it for what it's worth. They don't have to look pretty as long as you get the W and not the L. But there's so much to break down with this team. And the one thing I noticed, you know, in, in correlation to what A.J. Brown was saying, I thought the Patriots' defensive ends played a disciplined game in terms of not over-pursuing uh, Jalen Hurts and forcing them force they kept him in a corral a lot of times right. they didn't give him a lot of running lanes and think about this how many when was the last time you saw Jalen get outside of the pocket and pat the ball and either slide try to step up and run and slide after a couple of yards or throw it out of bounds he had nowhere to go with the ball nope. and that's that's directly cor- correlated to uh what AJ Brown was talking about you know you thought you once you saw one thing when the ball was snapped and all of a sudden they switched it up on you yeah. um so you know People can say, yeah, it goes back to the Eagles not playing the regulars in the in the preseason. I get that. But Andy Reid played his regulars in two games in the preseason. They lost their season opener. Now, granted, they didn't have Kelsey, but you had guys dropping balls like hand grenades for Kansas City. So it's an either or. Now, Siri, what does Sirianni say after the game? That I, I thought it was interesting. He said, I'm going to go back and look at the way we do things. And he said, if in hindsight, if I could do it over again, I probably would have got these guys some reps in the preseason games, I, which my first reaction was good. I appreciate the honesty and the thought process, but I also wonder because look, we know this isn't an autonomous thing where it's just him making that decision. I don't right. know that Howie Roseman would sign off for that because they value these guys being healthy yes. over the rust that you're going to deal with in week one. They just do. So I, I, Nick may say that, but that doesn't mean that's going to happen. True. Um, it, it's true. And, and you know what? It's like split down the middle. Half teams don't play their regulars. The other half want to get them at least a series or two. Yep. You know, so it's it's either or. We'll, we'll really find out by week three, week four, who is and who isn't. Yep. You know, you know that that's always the case. You know, even 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 back in the day when everybody, you know, Andy Reid era, when everybody played their regulars. You know, the gradual prog- progression, first preseason game, guys played a couple series. The next, they might play a quarter or a half. The next game they play three quarters, and then after that you didn't see them in that final preseason game. Mm-hmm. Well, with one less preseason game, you have to change the mindset a little bit. Um, you know, and, and it's basically at the discretion of the organization in terms of what they feel they need to get out of a preseason game compared to, hey, I want my frontline guys front and center when we open the curtains on a regular season. Yeah, I mean, that that's really what it comes down to. Like, if you watch the games yesterday, you really wonder – like the Giants just got steamrolled, and we'll get into that later. You know, other teams like Cincinnati look bad. Minnesota, who the Eagles are playing Thursday, lose at home. Yeah, Tampa. There were some really, you know, putrid performances out there yes. uh, by some teams. So, you, you know, to to still come away from from this with a win, you got a defensive turnover and a pick six. You got a couple turnovers actually. Um, when you had you and you absolutely had to make a play late in the game, you made a play late in the game. So, I mean, there are positives to glean from this thing. I think the issue is, Derek, the bar set so high 
rightfully so with this team, that anything short of very good play, uh, there's going to be a tinge of disappointment. And, sure. and that's, sure. you know, yesterday was not pretty by any stretch. I think the conditions came in into play a little bit. Um, but they didn't play as well as they need to. Like you saw what Dallas and San Francisco did. The two drivers in the good NFC, yeah. they came out on a mission. And the My Eagles goodness. weren't on a mission yesterday. They were they were a team that played well enough to get by. We the defense played about like I expected because there's so many question marks with the plethora of new coaches, new personnel. It's going to take some time. And you've got two young guys playing it, playing center field for you back into safety. That was to be expected, you know, in terms of not having that confidence in the defense until we get to see it. Offensively, it was a little shocking after that first drive of how they kept stumbling. You know, four consecutive drives they had to punt. You know, in the second quarter, uh, the Patriots outgained them like 137-19 in the second quarter. Second quarter is usually the Eagles' quarter. You know, it was last year anyway. This is a whole new ball game, And like I said last week, all of these defensive coordinators the Eagles are going to face this year, they've had a whole offseason to study this Eagles offense now. Right. Right. And I guarantee you, some of them are going to try to emulate what Belichick did yesterday, you know, in terms of trying to disguise things better to slow down this offense. How yeah, much th- will it This work? year's blueprint has been laid. It has. Yes. yes. Yeah. Now, grant, now, granted, you don't have Belichick orchestrating your defense across the board. That's true. Uh, but you do have some good coordinators they're going to face. One of them is Thursday night. Now, Brian Dayball doesn't – I'm sorry, Brian Flores doesn't have the personnel that Belichick does, but Brian Dayball's a well-respected defensive coordinator across the National Football League. So what kind of scheme is he going to come up with to try to slow this team down and get his offense in sync? Um, Eagles Eagles know this. Yeah. Now, now, what, what uh, what did Sirianni tell us? We haven't seen half the playbook yet. So it's going to gradually open up. It's going to gradually open up again. You know, depends on the type of personnel. What are they going to look like by the time they get ready to play the Jets defense and Buffalo's defense? It's going to be interesting. And by the way, you know, both of those defenses are on showcase tonight. I can't wait. I can't wait wait for that game. But we're going to get it. We're going to go through the entire week one too. Uh, you know, what went down yesterday, the big games. We'll go into that. We'll, We'll look at the NFC East. We'll look at what, you know, obviously the Jets and uh, the Giants and the Cowboys last night, Washington uh, survived the Cardinals, and we'll look at the Vikings and what they did yesterday, too. We'll get into all that. The one thing I would say to Eagles fans, and, and look, you, this is coming from somebody who said they win 11, 12 games and, and got blasted by Eagles fans who are like, you're crazy, they're going to win 15. But yeah. what I would say is they didn't they didn't play particularly – I know they put up 38 points, but I don't think they played particularly well last year in Detroit. And they got out of there alive. You know, they made enough plays that they had to make, and, yep. and they made adjustments. Actually, they made an adjustment in week two. Yeah. Really handled the Vikings 24 to 7, yep. where Jefferson did nothing. Cousins threw three interceptions, and yep. Jalen Hurts had over 300 yards. So it is a week to week league sometimes. The Eagles made it look easy to an extent last year, to their credit. You're going to have these kind of games. And later in the year, we're going to look back. We're not going to say, oh, it was kind of ugly. We're going to say, who cares? They won. They won. Yep. So I, I, it's not panic time, but you know what it is? It's like there's It's on your. There's certain things on your radar now that I think you have every right to be concerned about. But it's definitely far from panic time. I think you know the the best thing about this team too is Derek. I think they're a very accountable bunch. I agree. AJ Brown basically said, "Hey, if our defense didn't do what they did, we we probably lose." 
Jalen Hurts. Yeah, this the, we we all take full accountability of this thing. It was not good enough. So I think they all collectively as a squad realize that they didn't play their best game, their A game. Well, I mean, and rightfully so. When you don't play your regulars in a regular season, you can't expect to be the initial uh, performance when it counts to be perfect. You just can't. Everything's about timing and rhythm. Um, even with that offense, you know, it's still about timing and rhythm. And you played a guy who is the master of disguises on defense, and you still found a way to get a win. Now, I jokingly, you know, we, we do on our, our Jacob Media postgame show, Players in a Game, you know, and, and Seth and I both gave it to Jake Elliott. If it wasn't for Jake Elliott hitting those long field goals, they don't win this game. You know, one 48-yarder, he ricocheted off the, the upright. If he doesn't make that, what, 51, 48, 56-yard field goals in sloppy conditions, they don't win that game. Mm-hmm. You know, so everybody pitched in when they had to. Special teams had one gaffe the entire game. I thought special teams played decent. You know, so everybody – this was all hands-on-deck type win for this team. That's what, need. You just, that's what you need sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. Hey, another uh, injury update, Jeff McClain – from the Inquirer tweeted out uh, a little bit earlier, Fletcher Cox should be fine. An NFL source said uh, Cox had an MRI this morning after he suffered friendly fire, a shot to the ribs when he collided with Zach Cunningham. Yeah. Availability for Thursday's game could depend on pain management. Uh, so that that's the latest on uh, on Fletcher. So really, you know, your takeaway from this in, in terms of injuries, the Kobe Dean is definitely a you know that's a biggie. But it seems like everybody else, you know, Fletcher came out for a minute. Bradbury came out for a minute. Blankenship came out for a minute. Looks like everybody else got through this thing relatively clean. Um, so, that, again, that's another another positive to look at. Well, I, I always remember, you know, players like, um, you know, Trotter, Doc, and, and even Seth over the years telling me that for them, preseason was the time to get your bodies hardened, to get that callus on your body. And when you don't play as much, those soft tissue type injuries, those little aches and pains take a little bit longer to heal. But when they heal, they're forming the so-called callus to get your body ready for the, the trials and tribulations of a regular season. Unfortunately, the Eagles are one of those teams. They have to use that first game of the season to get their body, you know, calloused for what's to come. And so for two years in a row now, they've had to go through this. It wasn't pretty, but they found a way to get it done, start the season off with W's. So let's build from there. You know, they're going through some aches and pains. They're going to lose N'Kobe Dean for a couple of weeks. Hopefully it's not long-term. You got to keep a close eye on that. Who steps up? Who fills the gaps? You know, to to keep this machine rolling. Is Howie going to have to make another move to fill some voids along the way? Um, So it's all all relative to to how they go through their training camp and get ready for what's to come. Um, And here we sit today. You, you, you breathe a sigh of relief because they got the win, but you're saying, man, you got a lot of things fit to fix as you continue this journey. Yeah, no question. And and uh, I would feel differently. Like, I think there are some teams that would just look at it like we won. Who cares? We don't need to work on anything. I don't think that's this bunch. So I, I feel good about them understanding, you know, what the issues are, what they need to do. And I think there's a reality check. Not that they were sniffing themselves, but just that, Guess what? This is going to be different this year. It's you're not going to roll through teams like you did last season. It's just not going to be that way. It's going to be more of a slog. You're going to have to survive. You got to figure out ways to make plays, you know, during times that are that you have some adversity. And that's exactly what they had to do yesterday. They made a couple plays here and there. 
you know, Jalen fumbles and you're thinking, oh, my God, here we go. Yeah. But, yeah. you know, they survived it. And uh, not everything. Look, I thought some I thought they get a break on some calls, if I'm being honest. Uh, but that's just the way it goes also. And now you got to turn it around and crank it out, you know, in, in a short order uh, to get ready for Thursday's game. But nonetheless, um, that's kind of where we are. Um, I mean, let, let, let's be honest about this. The Eagles handed this game to the Patriots on that silver platter. You know, big time. when 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 Jalen fumbled, you know, um, Patriots had a chance to go down and take the lead. Then their Patriots final drive, they go down the field. They had two two penalties on that drive. And then the last play was a, that, that shot, uh, which would have been a first down to the tight end on the outside. He didn't get his feet down because initially you're thinking, my goodness, they got this first down. But obviously it was clearly out. The, the Eagles handed the, the Patriots an opportunity clearly to put this game away. Yeah. Um, I think it was more of the Patriots not taking um, advantage of opportunities more so than the Eagles. Now, granted, in the fourth quarter, from a defensive perspective, they got a better push up the middle and didn't give Mac Jones a lot of lanes to run and slip and slide through as he did earlier in the game. I thought Fletcher Cox and Jordan Davis and Milton Williams did a better job of pushing the pocket back in front of Mac, um, which didn't allow him to step up the way he was doing in, in the second and third quarters. So they played well in spurts. Yep. Now you've got to level this out. Look at the schedule, Rob, coming up. They have a minimum eight opponents, and that's including playing Dallas twice, eight opponents that are legit playoff contenders. Oh, yeah. Eight of your 17 games are against legit playoff-type teams. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they understand this. Right, um, and, and big-time quarterbacks. I, yeah, I, I expected to get better, but does getting better this season equate to as many wins as they did a year ago? I don't know about that. Yeah. yeah. Hey, let me update you. Jordan Schultz, uh, who is an NFL insider – yeah. Uh, is reporting that the Eagles are signing Rashawn Evans, who's a linebacker, to the practice squad. He played okay. with Tennessee last year. Had pretty good numbers. He had 159 tackles, six tackles for losses, two sacks, and two fumbles recovered last year. He's only 27. He was a first-round pick in 2018. I'm wondering why he's on the street, uh, for starters. There you go. There but, you go. Um, that's not a bad name, uh, you know, for a team that needs help there. And this is being reported now by EJ Smith and multiple people as well, but I'm pretty sure Schultz had it first, but anyway, Rashawn Evans, you knew something else was coming. You you knew there was another move to be made. They had to, from a depth perspective. It had to, um, and and look at what did I say all summer long about Terrell Edmonds? You know, he didn't even start. You know, Justin never started in his place. And I said, when a Mike Tomlin gives up on a defensive player when he's still in his prime, that's a big question mark for me. And sure enough, he goes through training camp relatively quiet. Preseason game, you don't hear much from him, the, the few plays he played. All of a sudden, you hit the ground running, he's not starting. You got two young guys back there starting. So what was it about Terrell Edmonds that the Steelers didn't like that the Eagles finally realized, uh-oh, maybe this is not what we're looking for. Yeah, you know, yeah. so now you got, yeah, will it be some more help coming on the back end of the defense? When they sit down and look at the film, um, because Mac Jones, I mean, he threw some he threw some beautiful balls down the middle of the field, okay? Mm-hmm. And that's Mac Jones. That's not even the best of the best coming, okay? So are they going to make some more additions to the back end of that defense? You know, the fact they're bringing in another linebacker, how he did exactly what I expected them to do. They knew that N'Kobe Dean is going to be out for a while. You've got to plug and play, plug and play. This could be the case all season long, but you're right. 
if he's sitting out there, former first-round pick just in 2018, and five years later he's sitting out there waiting for somebody to call him, why? Yeah. Um, all right, let's uh, let's come back and let's uh, let's dive into the offensive side of this. The the curious game plan, how it looked under Brian Johnson for the first time, Jalen, the way that he played, the heavy reliance on Gainwell early, one target for Goddard. A lot of ground to cover uh, with the offensive performance yesterday or lack thereof. So we'll cover all of it uh, when we come back. Hey, but I do want to remind everybody because this is a big, big day uh, for Bravo Pizza of Havertown and Oxford. We actually had Alex and Nick on from Team Foster on Friday about their unbelievable event. So here's the way it works. We got underway at 11 o'clock and it's going until 8 p.m. tonight where 12% of the proceeds from Bravo Pizza of Havertown and Bravo of Oxford will go to Team Foster. Now, if you're not familiar with Team Foster, it was founded in honor of Captain Eric Foster, who was an Army Ranger who was killed in action in Iraq in 2007. Team Foster's mission is no hero left behind. Team Foster raises money to provide service dogs to disabled veterans. And to date, they have raised nearly $2 million and helped partnering nearly 500 dogs with veterans in need. More than 20 vets and service members lose their lives to suicide every single day. And these service dogs are invaluable to that fight. They're more than just pets. They're service animals who are highly skilled, life-saving animals who have been trained for two years and cost approximately $25,000 per dog to train. So you can go to teamfoster.org slash donate, teamfoster.org to donate, or very simple, just please stop by Bravo Pizza of Havertown and Bravo Pizza of Oxford, where you can donate. Again, whatever you buy, you don't even have to mention Team Foster or Jacob Sports or Sports Take. You go in there, whatever you get, 12% goes to this great cause. And, and again, Bravo P- there you go, teamfoster.org slash donate. Bravo Pizza of Havertown is located at 1305 Westchester Pike, Manoa Shopping Center in Havertown. Their number is 610-446-3810. That's 610-446-3810. And then, of course, there is Bravo Pizza of Oxford, where they just do an amazing job as well. And they are at 601 Commons Drive, 601 Commons Drive, Oxford, PA, 610-467-1616, 610-467-1616. So, again, you have until 8 p.m. tonight if you could. Whatever, you know, you're hungry. It's the perfect marriage, man. You get some great food and you're donating to a great cause. And we certainly appreciate anything that you can do. And again, uh, Bravo Pizza of Havertown and Oxford for Team Foster. And here's a little sampling of what's going on at Bravo. I remember getting my heart broken when they lost the Super Bowl in 2004. We're big Eagles fans. We moved to South Philly because of the Eagles. When they won, we went straight to Broad Street and uh, everybody was going nuts over there. And it was just a, a memory that you'll never forget.
Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go first! <clears throat> Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years, and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction, go with trust, and go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go birds. fans on earth it's a bold statement but would you expect anything less from philadelphia 58 years of heartache creates a toughness a grit a resolve not found in most sure our prayers were answered but now that we've had a taste we're looking for more pondley hockey official partner of the philadelphia eagles Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. E-A-G-L-E-S, Eagles. All right, we're back. Rob Ellis, Derek Gunn, Sports Take, Jacob Sports YouTube Network. Let's hit the like button, my friends. Uh, much appreciated. All right, Gunner, let's look at the offensive side. I want to start with the offensive line. Yeah. Um, again, much like last year's opener, I didn't think they played well. Uh, collectively, and I understand you're dealing with a defensive line that's got Judon and Uche and some 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 dudes who could play. So I understand that you're not playing chumps by any stretch. But um, I, I didn't I, I didn't think they allowed Jordan to get into much of a rhythm. I thought I don't, I don't know if ever I've, I haven't said this in years. I don't know that Lane Johnson played a great game. Um, he gave up six pressures. Mylotta gave yep. up four yep. pressures. It yep. was a uh, was an off day for the offensive line in general. I Malata got away with a number of holding calls also. Yeah. I mean, he was he was basically bulldogging guys coming off his side, you know, which, which was surprising to me um, in a lot of ways. Um, you're right. I, I just thought that for an offensive line with that much um, a veteran presence and you go tackle to tackle and you're talking about Pro Bowl caliber type players, except for Cam Jurgens, who's a new guy in there, I thought it was very jagged on their part. I thought they allowed – the Patriots defensive front to get too much pressure on Jalen. Um, and you're right. When I look at Lane Johnson, he still, he didn't officially give up a sack, but I was surprised that the number of times edge rushers on his sides were getting outside of his shoulder and almost getting to Jalen, forcing Jalen to step up or to roll away from that particular pressure. Um, but then again, um, it's the first game. Uh, they, they got the rust off. Short turnaround. Um, I expect to see a much better performance. I guarantee you, Jeff Stoutland is 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 salivating at getting them back on the field. 
Thursday night. <laughs> yeah, I I don't know that he's going to be a real happy camper with that group. That one, that that one, uh, there could be some 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 language not safe for work in, in those meetings. I would guess. You imagine imagine getting coming out of your first game with the win, and the first thing that comes to mind is. Oh man, I got to go back to work and listen to Stoutland for the uh, yep. next few days. Oh my goodness! This I number. asked I asked Lane Johnson yesterday, Derek, after yep. the game. I said, "How how would you describe the offense?" And and he, the word he used was constipated. <laughs> <laughs> That's what he said. That's my boy Lane. Like well well said, and he included himself. By the way, he was not yeah. you know yeah. pointing a finger. Um, but yeah, so I I think. Th- you know, that's your foundation of everything. I don't think the offensive line was good, but um, you know, I think we all assumed that the offense was just going to hit the ground running. Yes. We, and we, and everybody across the platform, right. Said that We me all believe me too. And, and I thought the defense would take a while to get acclimated because of all the new faces and, you know, et cetera. However, the offense had a tough time yesterday too. That's to be expected considering who you're playing across. You know, Matthew Judon is one of the best inside linebackers in the game. Belichick is is historically one of the best defensive minds that ever put defenses on the field. It was a challenge for this team. There's no question about it. And I don't think by any stretch of the imagination, the Eagles thought they were just going to go out there and roll, you know, especially after after that first series when they realized, boys, we're in a ball game. We got to earn everything we can get. The difference was they had superior talent who they were facing. It was still a struggle, but they were able to make necessary plays when they had to Um, compared to a defense. The the, the defense for the Patriots was down uh, one of the best corners in uh, it was Jack Jones. I believe it was. He's like, he's like the Joker. You know, he plays up, he plays, he plays a role like a Malcolm Jenkins. You know, he's up, he's down, he's all over the place. He was out with a hamstring injury. Um, and maybe to so to a certain degree, that affected their overall play, even though I thought the Patriots played a really good game defensively. Mm-hmm. They played about as well as they could play against this Eagles offense defensively, and especially an offense that was not up to par uh, our expectations. But the Eagles offensively made plays when it had to. It wasn't fluid. Beyond that first drive, it wasn't fluid, as, as we're accustomed to seeing. But it was enough to get it done. Of course, and when you got one of the best kickers in the game to bail you out, it, it 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 overshadows a lot of things that you thought went wrong with your offense when you got who's almost automatic every time he, he steps on that football field and puts his toe to a ball. Yeah. I, I mean, he was, you know, Elliot in, in sloppy conditions. He did have the PAT, but that was a, a shaky hold too, I thought. But he was he was excellent. Yeah. I, I'll tell you the, the other thing um, that stood out. I mean, there's a lot of things that stood out. And we'll, and we'll get to the defense in a minute. You, you talk about a Patriots team that was missing three-fifths of its offensive line, and, and I – I, I thought the defense could have done more uh, in terms of pass rushing. But if you ask Bill Belichick before the game, think about it. You're going to hold that offense to 18 points. That's what the offense basically scored. He would have said, yep. in a second, I take that. All right, yes. well, well, let's take, let's talk about Jalen here. Um, if, if you look at his numbers, 22 of 33, 170 yards. But if you dig a little bit deeper, 5.2 yards per completion. Uh, he, he had the fumble. He was sacked three times. He had an 89.2 passer rating, you know, running game nine for 37. I just thought he never looked like he was in rhythm. It didn't seem like there was many RPOs and maybe they're trying to, to protect him a little bit more. I don't know, Derek, but he didn't look like himself. He looked indecisive at times. Uh, he just, he didn't look like the player we saw last year. 
There were too many times, Rob, I thought when he stepped back, he had already predetermined where he was going with the ball. You know, he had he had his eyes locked in on one receiver, one area he was going with the ball, and that was it. I can't tell you how many times he missed Goddard standing wide open in the field, whether it was in the middle or down one of the sidelines. I mean, that's not Jalen. And he pat, I thought he patted the ball too long, and I thought he gave up on plays out of frustration too easily as well. Yeah. Um, you're right. It wasn't the Jalen we were expecting to see. To see, and based on what AJ said, I understand some of that. Maybe it was Jalen seeing ghost. He thought he saw one thing. All of a sudden, the ball snaps. Patriots flipped the script on him. You know, but teams tried to do the same thing to him last year. He was able to compensate for that. Whatever the primary target was, he would do the check down and go to a second and third open receivers. I was just surprised at how many times he missed the check down to a second and third receiver, and he threw the ball either towards his primary target or threw it away. Yeah, it was. Uh, it wasn't good, and that's the thing. I know people were going crazy. Hey, hey, wh- wh- why weren't they drawing up more things for Goddard? Goddard was open. Goddard just didn't get the ball from the quarterback. Um, and, and do I think they'll look to establish him early Thursday night? I do. I think they will look to do that, even though they'll never admit it. Um, but you got to utilize him more. <clears throat> and again, I get back to Swift, one carry and one catch. Very strange. I don't get that. I don't Very get it. strange, you know, and the running game was not effective, which made you kind of one dimensional. And, and, and look, AJ still had made plays. Devonte had a really nice touchdown catch, yes, which was great for him with just having the little girl and he did the rock, the baby and all that kind of, and that was, that was awesome. But four for 13 on third downs, you, yes. you know, the most five drives we mentioned where they netted just two yards. That ain't going to cut it against the big boys. You, you, you survived a, I think mediocre, to less than mediocre offensive team mm-hmm. in New England, but mm-hmm. you won't survive Miami, the Jets, the Cowboys, the Niners, the Chiefs, the Bills, etc. You're not. Um, I know we're talking about it later, but what I saw Tariq Hill do yesterday sent chills up my spine. Yep. In terms of what, and I want to apologize to Tariq when we snickered about him getting two thousand yards this season. I think this man is on a mission to get his 2,000 yards, and rightfully so. But but you're right, Rob. Um, You have got to minimize your mistakes because you're going to play offenses this year that can match you point for point. You know, compared to last year, very few teams can do that. You have a number of teams on your schedule this year that can match you point for point. Mm -hmm. Um, And and so it's good for them to sit down today, tomorrow, Wednesday, and, and ingrain these things in their minds. Look, what we did yesterday is not who we are. This is who we are now. And that'll be the battle cry for Thursday night. If I was a betting man, I'd put money on it that Goddard gets the first pass on Thursday night, to be honest with you, to get him in a game flow, just to give the Vikings defense that element to think about. You, you he, is, he is arguably the third best tight end in the game today. Sure. There's no excuse for him getting one target, no catches mm-hmm. in an entire 60 minute football game. No, there isn't. Whatsoever. He's just too good. You, you have to utilize your weapons better than that. That's why you got to get Swift involved in a screenplay or in space and let him possibly bust something. I, I mean, I, I didn't, frankly, I, whether it was, you know, Brian Johnson's play calls or Nick overriding certain things, I don't know. But the offensive game plan stunk. I didn't like anything about no, it. No, I didn't either. And, and I know. I know Brian Johnson is going to take the brunt of that, um, but your players, you got a lot of big money players out there that have to make plays. 
you know, your quarterback didn't make the plays we're accustomed to him making. The offensive line didn't block the way we, we're, we're accustomed to, to them seeing. You know, this is more than just on Brian Johnson. I thought the play calling was a sus- was suspect, but there were still plays to be made in the field, and the players didn't make them, to be honest with you. Uh, the offensive line allowed too much pressure on Hurts. Hurts missed guys wide open. Right. Um, you have too much firepower on this offense to be that mediocre. Now, again, can't emphasize it enough. It's good to be mediocre. And let's face it, everybody, every, I don't care how good you are offensively, you're not going to play the perfect game every week. But you got to play a lot better than what you played this Sunday against the Patriots. That's what it is. I, I think when we do this, especially with a team that we think is as good as the Eagles are, you you take it for what you saw. In other words, we're analyzing the game that we just saw, but you're also looking at this with with an eye ahead. So the way we're, we're viewing this thing is, and I, I don't want to speak for you, Derek. I, I I should just say the way I'm looking at it is, yeah. I I. I, I see things in this game that I know we can't see later on down the line. Like you may be able to survive this game or maybe Minnesota or maybe Tampa, although Tampa give them credit because they, they knocked off Minnesota in the opener. But when you play the better teams, these kind of mistakes or the sloppiness won't cut it. But you also do have to be fair and, and take into account. It's the first game. It was the Patriots. It was on the road. It was sloppy conditions. Like there are mitigating factors that you have to drop in there. All that said, they're too talented, Derek, over the first, over the last 47 minutes of the game that they're only scoring accounted from field goals. It was only Jake Elliott. Mm. I, I, how much do, do you think there was any, hey, we're up 16, we're fine kind of thing? Like, we're this is going to be like last year, and we're just going to steamroll, and then all of a sudden things start happening. I thought the game was over when it was 16 nothing. Uh, no, I did too. Do you think the players yeah. thought that way? No. I don't know. I, I maybe, maybe, but when it became sixteen seven, that was your wake up call. Yeah, and they still couldn't get anything going fluid wise, and all of a sudden you look up at sixteen fourteen. Right. You know. So uh, I, I was sitting there going, "When well, it's sixteen zip, the way they turned the ball over twice and it led to two eagle scores, I'm thinking, you know, when you can cast this one in, Patriots are going to fold this game in. But you know, they didn't. To their credit, they did. They made the Eagles sweat this one out. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I like some things I'm saying, and, and I tell you what, when you, when you make these kind of errors, especially when <clears throat> you have a bunch of young players, it's nice to go back to the drawing board with that W under your belt and to analyze what you made, the mistakes you made. Now, this week, the pass coverage across the board was suspect, and that includes Bradbury and Slay as well. Oh yeah. <clears throat> this time, that kid, young that, that that young kid Jordan Addison at Minnesota has. Uh, he can flat out go, and yep. you couple him with Justin Jefferson and a better quarterback in Kirk Cousins. Now, I'm not saying Minnesota's coming in here and win the game because I still can't believe they lose a Tampa Bay at home, but you have better firepower coming here at you this time. So you better get it right this time, or it could be a long night in the passing game as well. Kirk Cousins is not shy about throwing up 40 passes a game. That's his MO. He'll bomb all day until he finds that soft spot. Yep. You know, you need to put this team to rest. I, I want to see them establish the run Thursday night because I do believe they can run the ball on Minnesota's defense. And you got to get a lead on this Minnesota team. You can't go back and forth up and down the field with this Minnesota team. Well, and you're also talking about a Viking team that uh, is going to be ticked off because they lost the first game that, that, that you handled last year, 24 to seven. Justin Jefferson had one of his worst games as a pro. Uh, Cousins had three interceptions. Hurts threw all over them. They had uh, He had over 300 yards passing. Like yes. they're they're, they're going to come in here 
desperate, angry. I mean, the Eagles are, are, are a seven and a half point favorite in, yeah. in this game against Minnesota. So I'm not surprised. I'm, no, I'm not either. But I'm just telling you, you're going to have a very highly motivated, not that the Eagles won't be, but a very highly motivated uh, uh, Minnesota team. That, that much is for sure. Oh, absolutely. And, and I don't think I don't think you'll see a Brian Dable defense uh, playing zone the entire game. I mean, a Brian Flores defense playing zone the entire game. He likes to mix and match, right? You know, and so that's going to be a challenge for for Jalen and that offense to figure out as well. Mm-hmm. You know, um, but offensively, you've got to take it to Minnesota right away. You've got to control the clock. You've got to keep the Vikings off the field, plain and simple. You know, again. It's the first week of the season. We're sitting and talking about what the Eagles need to rectify. The Vikings have a lot to rectify because they didn't get anything going against that Tampa Bay team, who we all think is one of the weaker teams in the NFC. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, you got two teams that are highly motivated that are going to be playing in front of a national audience on Thursday night. So it's going to be a good matchup. I can't wait to see this matchup and how both of these teams adjust compared to the way they played in the first games. All right. Well, if I said to you, all right, give me some positives from the offense. What would it be for you? Um, they they didn't turn the ball over. They had one fumble. They didn't make an abundance of mistakes. They didn't have an abundance of false starts. They didn't have an abundance of, of holding penalties. Although I said Malata got away with a few that weren't called. He also, um, you know, what I noticed too, Derek. He was taking a very. He got called for it once. Yeah. He was lining up almost in the backfield. Yes. Did you notice that? Yeah. That's that's really a cheat. That's a cheat stance. sheet. Yeah. When you're playing speed rushers coming off edges, that's a cheat sheet for offensive linemen to yeah. give them an extra ses- a second to get in their sets. You know, so now I'm not surprised. When you identify you're playing against somebody, you'll see offensive linemen cheat a little bit to give an give them an extra second or two just to get back in their sets, especially in past situations. Um, but the positives were they made plays when they had to. They did not make enough fluid plays. They did. I mean, when was the last time we saw an Eagles offense four consecutive times they had to punt in a game? I can't remember. It, I, it season, may have happened last, last year, but I don't remember it. Yeah. Um, but but they they made they they made the plays they had to. You know, yeah. Jalen made some throws that were good. You know, he, he wasn't rattled, obviously. Um he didn't take a lot of sacks. I think he was officially sacked two times in a game. Yeah. But he didn't take a lot of sacks. He didn't take a lot of big hits. Um, so that those are the positives. It, to me, it, it, it bears down to this, Rob. It was just rust. It, it, to me, it was rust. Rust in the timing. Yep. Rust in the quarterback. Uh, looking at his second and third options. Uh, the running game wasn't there. But they picked up running yards when they had to. They did just enough when they had to you know, sporadically to get the job done, to get their kicker in field goal range, so on mm-hmm. and so forth. Yeah, I mean, the other thing I'd say is sometimes you tip your hat. Like, for example, granted, Jalen can't turn that ball over. I get it. That was almost a perfect play by Jabril Peppers. I, yes. I mean, yes. you can't form tackle better than that. He no. goes into the ball with, with the shoulder in the helmet, yes. wraps him perfectly. I, I mean, that was a Great defensive play. I know Eagles fans don't want to hear that, but the, that is the reality of it. Hey, look, as much as we applaud this Eagles team and the talent on this team, you're playing everybody else who's, who's getting paid big money also. Yep. You know, they're getting paid to play also. And, and the Patriots have some good players on that team. Jabril Peppers is a really good player. Mm-hmm. You know, and you're right. It was a picture-perfect form tackle, and he coughed up the ball. 
Plain yep. simple. Yeah. You know, every everybody makes mistakes. You're human. You know, no, there's no such thing as a perfect athlete, a perfect human being. How do you overcome your mistakes? That's the difference between success and failure. And that was the difference between the Eagles winning and losing that game. The defense overall didn't play a, game, a, a great game, but in the fourth quarter, they played well enough to get the necessary stops. Granted, New England shot themselves in the foot a couple of times. When they went one drive, they had back-to-back false start. Um, oh, no, I think it was back-to-back holding penalties. They, really, they were in Eagles territory, and that cost them. You know, but we, we, you have enough veteran presence to know. I mean, Fletcher Cox basically was silent most of the game. He came up in the fourth quarter, made two big oh, plays for him. Huge plays. You know, so that's what you need. You can't play perfect all the time, but you play perfect when you have to. One saying I've heard a long time ago, great players don't play great all the time, but they do play great when they have to. And that's what's, what this Eagles team did, especially on defense. The great players played well when they had to. Yeah. I mean, I, I get back to uh, when you have a guy who is very tough on himself and in Jalen Hurts, when he's as focused as he is and he say, said some of the things he said after the game, everybody follows suit. Like, I, I know they only have a couple days to turn this thing around, and it's, it's very difficult anyway. But I think the good thing is you really have to put that game to bed quick uh, you know, that's gone and you're on to the next one. And I do think that they're going to realize, you know, just how dialed in they're going to need to be here for this next game because the, that, that performance won't cut it. And again, you still won after all of that and all the, the scrutiny that we're putting this game under, you still ended up winning the game. And that's really all that matters at the end of the day. There are things you have to clean up, but that's really what this comes down to. You won't find a player more laser focused in terms of getting better than, than Jalen Hurts. And he understands that. He's not going to pat himself on the back. I don't even think when he has a great game, he pats himself on no, the back. No. Because the next mission is, how can I improve on what I did already? Mm-hmm. And that's what you want in terms of a team leader. you know. So I expect him to, to have a cleaner look as an individual Thursday night yeah. and the offense to look cleaner as well. Um, the one thing I love about this team, they don't get too high. When they succeed, they don't get too low when they fail. Right. You know, they're they're probably one of the more even keeled teams I've watched and covered in all my time here in Philadelphia. Um, and that goes to the veteran leadership. And that goes to the quarterback being an old man trap in a young man's body. Mm-hmm. You know, they are a very even keeled team, you know, yeah. across the board. And that's how you have to approach this thing. There will be no finger pointing. There's a lot of accountability individually on this team. And that's what you want. When you when you're a team that has success. That's what you need. There's no finger. Look at how many teams when things are going bad, they start finger pointing at, oh, at people yeah. mm-hmm. and, and, and making, you know, anonymous quotes under their breath. You're not going to get any of that stuff that. with this team. Yeah, You won't see that with this team. No, no, no. Like I'll give you an example. Um, George Pickens was liking Instagram stuff where, where people were ripping Kenny Pickett yesterday. Like, what are you doing, dude? What are you doing? It's one game. Why would you do that anyway? But it's just, you don't you, see that kind of stuff with you. And you're and you're, t- you're taking shots at a guy who can help you make your money? Yes. Yep. Really? Very short-sighted. That's all I would say is very short-sighted. All right, let's go back. Let's look at the defense, Derek. They did have a pick six. Uh, the, the kids, I thought Carter and Davis, man, uh, Philly Bulldogs brought it. So we'll talk about that more yeah. on the Kobe Dean injury, some, some interesting decisions. Justin Evans getting the start 
with Reed Blankenship. How did Blankenship look? We'll, we'll get into all of that when we come back with the defense. Coming up after that, we're going to look at the uh, the NFC East and the Vikings, and then we'll get into all the big games from this past Sunday, including tonight's game, which is a biggie, Bills and the Jets, Monday Night Football. All right, we'll do all that when we come back. Don't go anywhere. D-Gun, Rob Ellis, Sports Take, Jacob Sports, YouTube Network. Let's talk about Jim Murray and Principal Financial Group. You got to find the right person to invest your money with. You work too hard. There's too many critical people to take care of. Take care of yourself later in life. Make sure that your insurance is right. Make sure your 401k is right. Make sure that if you're trying to get employee benefits off the ground, if you own a business, that you know how to do it. And also, if you just confuse, you don't you don't understand quite what something is, Jim is a great resource, and so is Principal Financial Group. They are great resources just to bounce things off of. Personally, uh, I've invested in Jim with my retirement planning, my IRA, my 401k rollover. I couldn't be any happier. You will be too. Give him a call, 610-996-4751. 610-996-4751. You can email him as well, Murray, M-U-R-R-A-Y, dot jim at principal.com that's murray.jim at principal.com you own a company and you're not producing a podcast you're missing out the public consumes messaging when they're ready join the professional podcast network of companies and let jacob media partners put you in the podcast arena come to our professional studio or we'll come to your place of business and professionally produce your company podcast call jacob media right now at 267-261-3428 Here, imaginations run wild and time stands still. Because here, you can find the best of the Jersey Shore all on one five-mile island. So leave the old you behind and get lost in the woods. Southeastern PA in Delaware with Colony Pools this football season and let the experts close your pool with a custom Merlin safety cover in green for the birds. And if you join our winter watch team, we'll give you another 20% off and Colony Pools will handle it all. Keep your tiles on your pool, not in your pool. Fly with Colony right now, birds fans. Visit flywithcolony.com.
E-A-G-L-E-S, Eagles. Welcome back in, everybody. What the heck was that? I don't know. Uh, I'm scatting. What do they call it? Scatting? What, what, what is the term for that? Scatting. 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 I was scatting. Yeah. Not very well, obviously. Uh, made, made, made famous by the famous Scatman Scruthers. Scatman Scruthers, who was great. He had a, what a voice. He was he was a, he did a lot of voiceover work too. Scatman Scruthers. Yeah, he did. Sure did. Um, so what? People are like, what the heck are these two talking about, Scatman Scruthers? <laughs> uh, welcome back, everybody. He's Derek. I'm Rob. We are Sports Take Jacob Sports YouTube channel. All right, Gunner. So we're dissecting the Eagles' 25-20 win over the Patriots. Uh, let, let's look at the defense. I, I really sincerely want to start with positives here. I, I was really yeah. impressed, man. I thought Jalen Carter and Jordan Davis both showed up in a big way. So let's start with Carter at, at rookie game, ro- uh, rookie season, first game ends up getting a sack. I'll tell you what, take it a step further, Gunner. Eight pressures versus the Patriots for Jalen Carter. That is phenomenal and i know they were down some offensive linemen i don't care his first game as a pro to do that is awesome yeah um man he's gonna be a nightmare for a lot of quarterbacks he had mac jones on his on his horse you know for a lot of that game um his burst off the snap is incredible man the way he split gaps the way he gets to on the shoulder of of an offensive guard and uses his speed and leverage to his advantage um and man for for a d tackle can he move agile mobile strong straight ahead strength um he is exactly what was billed coming out of college so far and, and you're right um the Patriots were down three starting offensive linemen but so what yep. here's a guy playing his first game as a pro and man did he live up to expectation you know what you also see too Derek like he has an array of moves like he was yeah. giving you everything there man he's quick he's strong he has the ability to just toss guys aside Yep. He, he just looks like a guy who's really well coached, well versed, and, and just just has a lot of ability, man. And and he, it was all on display yesterday for sure. And he's only scratching the surface. This right. is only game one of what we uh, uh, deem will be a long and prosperous career for this guy. You know, yeah. Um, it's way too early to start comparing him to some of the best D tackles in the game, obviously. But man, is he off to a good start? And I and I believe because the, the Vikings' offensive line is suspect, also, I I expect him to have the same type of uh, same type of impact on the game Thursday night. Because for as good of a passer as Kirk Cousins is, Kirk is not a scrambler like a Mac Jones. Mac nope. Jones is a young guy who's nimble on his feet, can move around. Kirk Cousins is more of a stationary target. So, yeah. you know, this kid may get a few more sacks on Thursday night. No, I think I agree with you. I agree with you. Then let's go Jordan Davis. You know, Derek, we came into this this season, this game yesterday with Jordan Davis where we said, okay, look, last year was your rookie year. You had some injuries. There was maybe some conditioning issues. He promised everybody that he was in the best shape of his life, even though he still had the – he still weighed the same amount. Uh and, and we, we just didn't know. It, w- it was very much a, all right, we'll wait and see. And I thought, you know, between the the uh, the strip of uh, Zeke uh, and just some other thing, he got in on a half a sack with, with sweat. Uh, he looked active, and he wasn't just a, a blocker occupier. He was active in the run game, in the pass game. I'm really excited what I saw from him. Yeah, he, he played 44% of the snaps yesterday. Um, and I thought he was very effective eating up space, controlling his area of the line of scrimmage, 
not giving the uh, Patriots running backs much of a lane to run in the middle. You know, you had a thousand yard rusher in, in Ramondre Stevenson, and of course, they revi- uh, a rejuvenated Zeke. You know, they got some yards in the outside, but they could find very little running room in the middle between those two big tackles that they had. And, you know, we wondered what would Jordan Davis look like, you know, especially when we found out when he set the training camp that he's still 340 pounds. Well, when you play 44% of the snaps at 340 pounds and you had an impact the entire time you're in there, that tells me that he's increased his stamina, his strength, and he's exactly what you would hope he would be that much better in year number two as a professional football player. Again, a one-game sample, but I was, I'm extremely encouraged by what I saw from Jordan Davis yesterday. Hey, listen, listen, just I think go back to Carter for a minute, all right? Um, give you these stats, which are, which are pretty interesting. So uh, 34 pass rushing snaps he was in on. He had eight pressures, which is the most in the wow. NFL. He wow. had seven hurries, which is the most in the NFL. He had a sack, uh, 25% pass rush win rate, which is the fifth highest yesterday in the entire NFL. Uh, wow. That's also the, the, the most pressures by any rookie D tackle uh, in a game over the last five years. Jeez. Whoa. <laughs> oh my God, man. If, if that's, that's just some game serious one, stuff right there. If, if that's just game one, what is it going to look like by game five or six? Yeah. My he, goodness. He really starts figuring this thing out. Yeah. So uh that that so that's certainly a positive. And obviously Slay makes a play. Uh do, I, I'm not tooting my own horn here, but do you guys remember what I said Friday? I gave you a Slay pick six. You did. Yes, you did. I did. Yes. Yes, you did. So that means you're gonna have you're, you're gonna have to make a bold prediction every week coming every off something week. like that. We every expect week. bold prediction every week from you now. <laughs> no, but here's what I would say: if if it does anything, and I know Slay is never outwardly gonna look like he's he's lacking for confidence. Okay, I think no, we could all agree no. with that. But we know last year didn't go great towards the end of the year for him. Maybe this helps just just reestablish his confidence. A little bit getting that pick six. I thought he played well in general, but that was that was nice, man. I mean, that was that was nice. It was a bad throw by Jones, but who cares? You took advantage of it and you took it all the way back for your team. Yeah. You know, you you're talking you're talking about uh a defense that was opportunistic last year. They had 27 takeaways last year, and that's what this defense is going to be this year. To be honest with you, even when they get better, I don't expect them to be that that lockdown defense. They got 70 sacks last year. They may not even get 27 turnovers, although they got two in the first game, which is a good start. They may not even get 27 turnovers, but I expect them to still be an opportunistic defense. They're going to have to be because I don't think they're a shutdown defense, to be honest with you. Yeah. Um, but they're still going to be a pretty good defense. You know, we're ta- we started off talking about the D tackles. And here's what I like about the four-man rotation of the D tackles. They split the wealth pretty good. Now, Fletcher Cox played 62% of the snaps, which you expect. He's the elder statesman. He is that money guy when the game's on the line. He knows all the little tricks. But the young guys, you look at uh, Jalen Carter played 50% of the snaps. Jordan David played 44% of the snaps. And Milton Williams played 41% of the snaps. If you do that, if you keep that rotation healthy and intact, it makes them that much fresher in the fourth quarter. When a game is on the line, just like yesterday, you know, Fletcher Cox didn't make a lot of big plays, but he made a couple of big plays when he had to in the fourth quarter, you know, and that's what it's going to come down to. Jordan Davis will be fresher. 
Um, he's going to make a couple big plays when you have to. Jalen Carter is going to make the Milton Williams. That's what you're going to need. Very few teams have the depth that this team does uh, at the D tackle spot. The D tackle spot is so integral to a, to the success of a defense a lot of times in terms of pushing the pocket back, in terms of clogging the lane so you can't run those delayed draw plays up the middle on them and get 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 gouged for big chunks of real estate. Um, if, if The key, of course, keeping everybody healthy, man, because – Rob, look across the NFL yesterday. Look at how many big name players did not finish games that they started yesterday. Across, I'll give the you NFL. one right now, Derek. It's official. Uh, Jack Conklin's out for the rest of the year. Cleveland's phenomenal offensive line. He's done. There you go. There you go. You know? Yeah, it's bad. I mean, wide, wide receivers, hamstring injuries, concussions, uh, leg injuries, offensive linemen, defense. Uh, I mean, it was like, dude, there was a there's an all star cast of players. You could put a Pro Bowl team together of players who didn't finish games yesterday. Yeah, it's no joke. It's, it's it and and you if know. you just if you just jumping on with us and you didn't hear a little bit earlier, Nicobe Dean uh, is going to miss at least several weeks with a foot injury. He will not need surgery. He left he left the facilities last night, the, the locker room in a, in a walking boot. So if, if we get anything further on that, but. It's multiple sources reporting that, so he's out. They've shut. Yeah. They've signed Rashawn Evans, uh, late of Atlanta. He was originally a, a first round pick of the Tennessee Titans. Guy who's put up pretty good numbers in his career. Um, th- they brought him into the practice squad. They'll elevate Nicholas Morrow, I'm surely for Thursday. And you're probably Derek looking at a, a starting linebacker duo of Zach Cunningham uh, and Christian Ellis. That's likely what you're looking at because you got to give these other guys five minutes to get to get acclimated to this system. You know. I don't feel real good about this linebacker core, Rob. I'm sorry. No, I don't. I don't. And that look, and, and that's a, that's a guy, problem. But. Derek, we saw what the Patriots did when they start when they finally started to figure it out in the second quarter yesterday. It was a lot of attack the middle crossers, uh, tight end. You know, and granted, New England has pretty good tight ends. Hunter Henry and Gasicki are yeah. good, so you're you're going to go to those guys anyway. But that was the area that they really targeted, and and that that's where all these teams are going to target. You know, quite frankly, they just are. And 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 this guy Thursday night is better than than Henry and Gasecki combined. Hawkinson, okay. TJ Hawkinson is he's the real. And deal. he just got paid the richest contract ever for a tight end as well. You think he's not motivated, especially coming off that first game? Right. You yeah. And he was just ah, he was ah yesterday. You know? Yeah. You know. And if and if I'm their coaching staff, their offensive coaching staff, I'm looking at how many times. The tight ends for for the Patriots worked worked over the middle of the field, right? You know what's the name of the game? Exploit your opponent's weakness. Mm-hmm. You know, and I'm sure the Eagles are going to identify uh, weaknesses both in the Vikings' offense defense, but you know the Vikings are doing the same right now. So it's going to be interesting to see who can make the plays and who cannot on Thursday night. Yeah, and that, you know the other thing is so Derek, it's the linebacker. Like even before Nakobe went down, here here's the way here's my assessment of the way that he played. Uh, I thought I thought he played pretty well against the run. I thought he struggled in pass coverage. Now, I, I think it's harder for young players in the passing game to, to get acclimated than it is the run game. So I thought he struggled a little bit there. Uh, although Cunningham had the fumble recovery, yeah, I, I, I didn't really love what I saw from him either, quite frankly, Derek. Uh, and and I, I the line the safeties, Blankenship made a couple plays, but he also got burned on the Hunter Henry, and and speed may be a bit of an issue. I, yeah. I 
you know, and I, they started Justin Evans, who was pretty quiet in my estimation uh, yesterday as the other safety. Well, when you look at the touchdown that, that, that Blankenship gave up, that was a mismatch. You have Hunter Henry, who's 6'5", Blankenship's pushing six feet. That ball had to be in the perfect spot. He threw it right over the top of Blankenship. Yeah, he had good coverage on him. He did, yeah. You know, now, Seth Joyner said he still could have made a play had he been more to the inside shoulder of, um, you know. But in a situation like that, it, it's hard because, you know, a guy's not running in a straight line. When he sees the ball go up, he's adjusting. The right. DB's following, and if he looks up for the ball, all of a sudden he loses containment. That ball had to be a perfect throw, which it was by Mac Jones. Yep. So, you know, I don't care who you are. If you're six foot tall and you cover somebody six five, six six, nine times out of ten, if the ball's where it's supposed to be, you're going to lose that battle. Yep. It's, it's, plain, it's, just, it's just plain and simple. You are. You know. Yeah, it, I, I'll tell you, it, it, and Dank says, um, start Sidney Brown, doesn't it just feel like it's only a matter of time? Like, I – I know we're – I get it. They may not feel like he's all the way there yet, but he made the unbelievable play on special teams. What man did he time that up well? But it feels like it's only a matter of time before we see Sidney Jones out there starting. Well, you know it's coming. He had that great hit on a, on a punt coverage. He was beautiful. He was punt. He that, perfect you hit. can't time it better than that. Than no, no. You know, and his time's coming. And like like we, we, we've said over the last several weeks, we expect the change to come sooner rather than later. But just give him a little bit more time to get up to speed, to get acclimated to what they want him to do. The fact that he's not in there right now tells me that the defensive coaches still see some things that he needs to work on, a few few little flaws that he still needs to work on. It's not about speed. It's not about his ability to hit, his ability to get sideline to sideline. Um, maybe there's some little new nuances we're not looking at that we don't know about that the coaches see on film. Once they iron out those things, he'll get in there. He'll be a regular before it's over. Yeah. Um, all right. So let, let's let's look at some other things. A, a general assessment. We we know the pick six, right? But general assessment of the play from Slay and Bradbury overall in your in your eyes. Um, played well enough to get the job done, but not as efficient as I thought they would be. If you ask me to give a letter grade of their play, and I know we're taking into consideration the pick six by pick six by Slay, I would have to be. I'm pushing C plus B minus in terms of their overall play. Yeah, I think it's fair. Uh, I, even, I Bradbury, think it's fair. even Bradbury gave up some plays. And, and I said C plus B minus because you weren't playing. You weren't playing the elite of the elite in terms of receivers. You know, you had Juju Smith-Schuster um, in, in, a, in, a cast of, in a cast of no names, technically. You know, And, and he, he wasn't good yesterday either, by the way. No. Juju. No. Bourne had some big catches for him. You know, he has, he, you know, let's face it, he has some big catches. Yeah, but he did. You weren't playing some of the guys. You, you weren't playing Garrett Wilson. You're not playing Stephon Diggs. No. You know, I, I want to see them play a lot better. Now, they did a great job on Justin Jefferson last year, but that was the last year. You got to do it again this Thursday night on a quick turnaround. And they understand yeah. that. Yeah. Um, but in terms of what I expected from them, considering they were playing pedestrian wide receivers, I was a little bit surprised at some of the things they gave up in that game. That, yeah, like to me, at best, that's a middling offense. That that's exactly. a team, yeah. New England, that's going to yeah. have to depend on great defensive play. They're they're yeah. just eh, you know, across the board, uh, anywhere else, especially in the throwing game. Like if they're behind, it's one thing if they're leading and they can dictate pounding Stevenson and Elliott down your throat. But if that team's trying to come from behind, I, I think they're going to have a uh, a tough time uh, in general. Um, so I would say if if I'm looking overall at the defense. I can't kill them yesterday. I thought they were 
I thought they were better than the offense. I don't know if that's saying a ton, but uh, they were okay. I'd say okay is the way I would put it for the defense. They were all right. Well, you you allowed Mac Jones to throw for over 300 yards against your defense. You sacked him once. You pressured him, but you didn't get him down as many times as I thought they would get him down, especially with the Patriots being down three starting offensive linemen. That's um, the issue. That yeah. right, Derek. That's the issue. Like with with the and I know he's got a little bit of mobility, but you should be able to get to Jones. You should have won your one on one battles more than they did. Like I, I, Reddick had a couple of pressures for sure. He was in there a couple of times. Sweat did have the half a sack, which I thought was more of Jordan Davis's sack. But but anyway, yes, yes. Regardless, like, like I I wanted a little bit more. BG was pretty quiet. I thought yesterday. Didn't hear a lot from BG. No, no. You know, your ends need to be better. Your edge, whatever you want to call them, edge end guys need to be better than they were. I think my biggest surprise was once, and I'm watching this and I'm telling Seth and, and, and Miss Anelli and Farzad, I said, Mac Jones' footwork. Watch his ability to step up and slide to his left or right to avoid the outside rush that's coming after him because the Eagles' edge rushers were beating the tackles. Yeah. But I was surprised that they make an adjustment in the middle to get to him more, whether it was sending an X. Now, I will say this, decide bliss a little bit more than I thought he would. But the yeah. fact that they can get home with more frequency surprised me, you know, especially against Mac Jones, who's an average quarterback at best, who doesn't have the greatest arm at best. I was surprised they didn't, they weren't able to get to him a little bit more than they were. They forced him out of the pocket, forced him to throw some balls away, forced him to throw in a run. But I thought they allowed Mac Jones to have too much success. When a quarterback of that caliber goes back 54 times, especially against a patched up offensive line, you should, especially, and especially when you have the type of speed and tenacity that this Eagles defensive front has, I expect them to get home with a little bit more frequency. And they did. Yep. Should have been three or four or whatever, somewhere in that neighborhood with him dropping back that many times, because that you're playing into the Eagles hands. At least you should be. With a depleted offensive line and, and you're doing a pretty decent job against the run and you make, New England predictable and they're trying to catch up from behind. Yeah, that yeah. should be, you should be yeah. frothing at the mouth. If you're the yes. Eagles defensive yes. line. Yes. You know, when you, when you're playing some of the better quarterbacks, when they're behind, you have to play it a little bit more cautious because they're going to see everything you're trying to do. You're not going to fool them. But when you got a guy who's still blossoming at back Jones, you should be able to take advantage of some of the things, you know, as and when they face the Sam Howell, they used to be able to take a certain, take advantage of certain things, especially against an offensive line that's not the equal of what you put on the field in terms of depth, quality, and rotation. Yeah. Um, and those are little things that they have to work on. They understand that. Um, it's going to come with time. I expect the sack totals. Like I said, I don't think the sack totals are going to be anywhere near 70 like it was a year ago, but they could still be one of the top two or three sack teams in the NFL. Yeah, I think they should get in the 50s, uh, which would get them probably around third. I, I think yeah. that's where they should be. And, right. and, and we, should, we, should, we should not overlook also that pressures are just as valuable as, sa- as sacks. When you can force a quarterback off his mark consistently, when you can force him to his weaker side, if he's a right-handed quarterback to the left, left-handed quarterback to the right, if you can force him to his weaker side weaker side more times than not, I think that's just as, effect- as effective in, some, in a lot of cases – more effective than it is than getting a quarterback sack. Yep. Um, okay, I do want to talk special teams, and Derek, you might want to mark this down. It is uh, 1.21 p.m. Eastern time on uh, on September 11, 2023. I am going to credit Aaron Sipos. Uh, what? what? Having, yeah, yes. What? 
I am crediting Aaron Sippos with having a good game. Aaron Sippos punted well yesterday for the Eagles. I got it out. I got it all the way out. I said it. Yes. What? Are you going to start a Sippos wagon also? I am. I am giving it up. I look. I I consider myself fair. I will rip when rip is appropriate. I will praise when praise is appropriate. Praise is appropriate. I uh, yes. I will give Sippos his flowers, as they say. He did a nice job. In fact, Derek, he did a really good job on the one that he he sort of double clutched because he bought himself a second on a, yeah. on a nasty rush that was coming on him. He actually did a really good job on that one. Yeah, I was going to say the only minor gaffe he might have had was when he hesitated on the one punt, but he didn't get it blocked. He got the punt off. You know, he probably thought he was in line to get that punt blocked, and he adjusted. So kudos for him. But, Rob, you are right. Sippos was not a problem in this game. Nope, not at all. It's game one. But he's still (laughs) Sippos. He's still Sippos, Rob. He he is, but but here's here's what I'll say. He was fine. Uh, we we know there was, uh, you know, excluding the the mixed PAT missed PAT. Excuse me. Uh, Jake yeah. Elliott was yeah. excellent, like he always is in bad weather. You know, some long distance stuff. So the kicker and the punter did their job. What what bothers me is two things, Derek. You had to burn two timeouts because yes. you didn't have the proper players on the field, including Sua Opeta at like either forgot or nobody told him all of a sudden he shot out of a cannon trying to get out there. You got to burn a time out there. That's awful coaching. Awful. Yes. Yes. It's unacceptable. And you, again, I know this guy's a good returner, but you gave up a 43 yard kick return, which put the Patriots in very good field position. So your coverage units and your general management of, of special teams didn't cut it yesterday. No, no. Hey, not, not to deviate, but, uh, Nick Sirianni just uh, told the media that James Bradbury is in concussion protocol. Oh, boy. And on a short week, that's not good. On a short week against Addison and Jefferson, that is not good. It's not good. It's not good at all. I agree with you. Uh, That's, uh, yeah, that's concerning. I mean, you're already going to be down Dean. We know that. And you may be down Bradbury, too. It's a problem. Here's a quote, according to Jeff McLean, uh, Nick Sirianni on Eagles cornerback James Bradbury. He's in concussion protocol. Suggest it will be hard for him to return in time for Thursday. Yep, that's a problem. I agree with you. Uh, so we'll, we'll keep our eye on that. And look, we all know that that is not something to be messed with. Uh, if this guy's not right, you don't play with player no. head injuries, man. No. So, um, yeah, if, if that's the case. So, all right. Um, so now you're down – you're starting middle linebacker and your your Pro Bowl cornerback. Yeah, and w- what you would end up doing, I'm assuming, if he is not able to go, I keep Avante in the slot. I guess you move Job up. You're gonna have to. You're gonna have to move Job up. And if I'm the Vikings, I'm attacking Job. I want to see what he can do or cannot do. Yeah. Plain and simple, I'm going after Job. Yeah, I, I don't think they want to see Keely Ringo or. Mario Goodrich yeah, yeah. or any of those guys. Now you may have you may have to, but no, you Job is the next man up. So yeah. yep. you got you got to give him a chance. Yeah. You know. Uh um, there were also, real quick, there are two nice plays on on punt coverage. Um, you know, the one by Sidney Brown there, which we talked about a little bit earlier. Job made a couple nice plays too. He's got to calm down a little bit. Fletcher, Fletcher had to cool him off on the one. Yeah. He was about to yeah. get flagged. Yep. <laughs> so he's yep. he's got to chill a little bit, but uh, a young I, young energetic player. I get that. And, yeah, I and, like the fire. I like. The and fire. the old man said, "Hold up, man. <laughs> you know, hold up. You can't put us. 
you see the way this game is going right now. You can't put us in a, in a, in an even more negative situation. Yeah. You know, so, you know, Fletcher played the dad there. Fletcher was the dad yeah. that the were acted up a little bit. <laughs> you know, you're a young player, you know, the adrenaline's flowing. You're in the heat of battle. You're out there. You get a chance to play. I get it. You yeah. know, you know, but luckily, luckily the, the, the senior, the senior eyes of Fletcher Cox <laughs> said, hold up, man. You know what? Yeah, take it down a notch. Take it down a notch before we get flagged here. Exactly. All right. Did you? I. I. Oh God. What game was it? I think it was the Colorado the uh, college games from Saturday. There was something. So two guys were like there was like a, it was a special teams play. I think and two guys were kind of going at it on the sideline, and there was a ball boy who just came running over, like calming up, like like pushing the one guy away. And this is like a like a sixteen year old. It was like. Wow, this kid's got some stones, man. He's stepping in between these two guys. But anyway, uh, we'll talk about Colorado a little bit later because they won again on uh, Saturday, Derek, and they will. They have a big one against Colorado State coming up this weekend, which yeah. we will uh, we'll get into. All right, when we come back, we're going to look at the Sunday night game last night with the Cowboys and the Giants. I don't know if you could call it a game. Uh, the the Washington Commanders survived the Cardinals in a tight one, and the Vikings upset at home by Baker Mayfield and the Tampa Bay Bucks. So we'll get into those three games. Obviously, it's the NFC East, and it's the Eagles' next opponent with the Vikings. And then here are the games that we're going to hit in our NFL segment. Dolphins-Charger game, Chargers game, which was nuts. Uh, the Browns-Bengals, 49ers-Steelers, Raiders-Broncos, Packers-Bears, Rams-Seahawks, Saints-Titans, and we'll preview tonight's game with the Bills and the Jets. So don't go anywhere. We'll come back, NFC East and the Vikings coming your way. He's Derek Gunn. I'm Rob Ellis. We are Sports Take, Jacob Sports, YouTube Network. I want to tell you about ProAction Restoration. ProAction Restoration is the place that you turn to if you're a business owner, if you are a homeowner, if you have a property and you go through the pain, the inconvenience of fire, of water, of smoke, of mold damage. ProAction Restoration is on call 24 hours, seven days a week to assist. I personally have gone through it. With my parents, they didn't know what to do. I reached out to ProAction on a Saturday, and they came out and took care of the problem. And, and man, it was just a, a big sigh of relief for them and for me. ProAction is licensed, bonded, fully insured. They've been serving the tri-state area for more than two decades. They will work in conjunction with your insurance company as well. So, again, if it's water, fire, smoke, mold damage, you name it, they can handle it. Give them a call, 610-623-3760. 610-623-3760. You can also reach them online as well. ProActionRestoration.com. That's ProActionRestoration.com.
If you own a company and you're not producing a podcast, you're missing out. The public consumes messaging when they're ready. Join the professional podcast network of companies and let Jacob Media Partners put you in the podcast arena. Come to our professional studio or we'll come to your place of business and professionally produce your company podcast. Call Jacob Media right now at 267-261-3428-267-261-3428. Here, imaginations run wild and time stands still. Because here, you can find the best of the Jersey Shore all on one five-mile island. So leave the old you behind and get lost in the woods. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Hey, don't hang up with us anymore. Save in Southeastern PA in Delaware with Colony Pools this football season. And let the experts close your pool with a custom Merlin safety cover in green for the birds. And if you join our winter watch team, we'll give you another 20% off and Colony Pools will handle it all. Keep your tiles on your pool, not in your pool. Fly with Colony right now, birds fans. Visit flywithcolony.com. Yes, we are. Appreciate you hanging out with us on this Monday. Again, if you could hit the like button, we would appreciate it, friends. That's Derek Gunn. I am Rob Ellis. All right, Gunner. So uh, looking around the NFL from week one, let's go to last night here. Uh, Cowboys-Giants, this game was was in North Jersey at MetLife. And uh, literally from the kickoff, from like the second this thing began, it was an absolute throttling of a beatdown that took place in this game. So Dallas scored on a blocked field goal, a pick six. Yep. They yep. had seven sacks. They forced three fumbles. It was a, it was an embarrassment for the giants uh, on a lot of levels. And Dallas just took them to the woodshed, man. That was unbelievable. Um, because the giants and the Cowboys historically have played some great grudge matches. I honestly thought that that was going to be a knockdown drag out brawl. But somehow, some way, the Giants forgot that vacation is over. They were still in <laughs> vacation mode. And Dallas, I'll tell you what, Dallas's speed is impressive. Yeah. You know, I don't care if you don't like the Cowboys, 
but give credit where credit is due. That team is lights out fast, and, and adding Stephon Gilmore to the outside was huge for the Cowboys organization. Um, their front seven, fast and furious, Michael Parsons in place um, as well. The Cowboys went in there and sent a message, you know. And granted, they still got a long ways to go just like everybody else, but you talk about – we talk about sloppy football. Now, Dak was okay, and they were playing in a torrential rainstorm. You know, they, they were. It was, it was pouring, just like it was in New England at times. But it was pouring in New York. And Dak played a pedestrian game, but he didn't have to play a good game because the rest of that team was lights out. Their covers teams, their defense, man, they got everything they wanted out of that team. Um, I thought if you stack up the way teams played across the board in the NFL yesterday, you said, who would you say had the best overall performance? I would have to say Dallas. Oh, yeah. You know, and and, and the Niners are a close second. But Dallas came out and put a chokehold on the Giants, and the Giants basically cast it in by halftime. They were just looking to get off the field. Listen to these stats. You ready for this, Derek? So it was the largest shutout win in franchise history before Sunday for the Cowboys. Uh, before Sunday, the biggest one was 38 uh, nothing. They beat the Colts in 1978. Second largest margin of victory against the Giants in the 122 times they've played. Yes. Yes. Not since 1966. Okay. Uh, they became the fifth team to open their season with a shutout of 40 points or more on the road. Uh, they sacked Daniel Jones, as I mentioned, seven times. It's the most sacks in an opener by a Dallas team since 94. I mean, we could go on. We don't even have enough time. But this was – but here's the thing I'm wondering. And I, and I give uh, – look, begrudgingly, I give the Cowboys all the credit. They were they were spectacular. Are the Giants a little fraudulent here, Derek? I mean, they're 3-6-1 and one in their last 10 games. They did not finish the season all that well. I know they won a playoff game. They beat the Vikings. I know that. But in the regular season, they're 3-6-1 and one in their last 10. I don't want to use the word fraudulent yet because it's still the first game of the season. I expected the Brian Dayball offense to play a much more efficient game, you know, especially with the speed they added. They don't have big name receivers, but when you look at the fact that this kid, Jalen Hyatt, can flat out go, he had one target the whole game. You know, Sterling Shepard's healthy. He had no, no, no catches. They brought in Paris Campbell, nothing. You know, Darius Slayton, nothing. You know, Weller, only three catches for 36 yards. They had the. I thought. I thought honestly, Daniel Jones was going to dink and duck his way down the field to keep this to negate Dallas's speed. You know, we all know Dallas is a speed defense, right. and I thought that they were going to dink and dunk, just try to handcuff and neutralize some of that speed. By the time Daniel Jones was got the, the ball snapped to him, especially in shotgun formation, he was tap dancing like Fred Astaire because the fast the pass rush was so fast coming after yeah. him. Yeah, I mean Dallas. Dallas didn't let up all night. They put a they put a choke collar on the on the Giants and basically just choked them in a submission. I mean, it was unbelievable what it they did bad. last night. You know, it just sucked because you were hoping for a decent game and it was it was terrible. It was it was non-competitive. I I'm trying I don't know if Dable was trying to send a message to some of these guys. He had Daniel Jones in there with like eight and change left in a total yeah, blow out of the game on, on a wet track yeah, where yeah. one, you know, weird turn and you're blowing your knee or ankle out. I, I, I thought it was very strange. Well, the one thing we found out, the Giants offensive line is just as bad as people suspected. Correct. You know, so that was an emphasis. This off season was trying to fix the offensive line problems they had from last season. Did it look like they fixed an offensive line problem? In, in fact, it looked worse. 
And it, it, look it looked like it was, it was it, it, a terrible line. I mean, it looked worse than they did last year. Yeah. And I believe the best offensive lineman got hurt. Um, yeah. Got hurt. Uh, if, I'm not, if I'm not mistaken. Andy Thomas, I, I'm trying to remember who went down. Yeah, they did lose somebody during the game. I, I can't remember you know, who it was, but yeah. So, so you know, you you can't run offense. I don't care how many skill position players you have. You can't run an offense if those guys up front can't open holes, can't can't stonewall a pass rush. They could do nothing right last night. It was it was win against boys last night. No, it was it was and, and uh, yeah. Again, credit to the credit to the Cowboys who came out and took their heart, you know, immediately in that game. And then the Giants, like you said, just laid down uh, after that. I watched uh, I watched a little bit. Dable, uh, I thought he stayed calm in the in the post game press conference. Um, I thought he'd be a little more fiery. But, uh, yeah, it wasn't good. I mean, they shut down Jones. They shut down Saquon. Uh, their defense, which is one of their strengths, you know, didn't have many answers either. It was just a, an overall, just just a mess of a game. But uh, They shut down They shut down MetLife Stadium is what they did. No, they did. <laughs> they shut it down. You're it right about that. Bad. Yeah. You know, uh, and, let, I and I understand, I understand yeah. it's only one game. But when you play that type of game against a divisional opponent, that's sending a message across the bow. Yeah. I mean, look, what stood out to me was the Cowboys and the Niners really came out ready. And I, you know, again, yeah. in comparison to the Eagles, because I think they're their their main competition, the Eagles weren't quite as ready. And, and you hope that you got right. fortunate because you won and it wakes you up. That's that's the best of both worlds. You win ugly and it wakes you up. That's a great thing for you, you know, moving forward to Thursday night's game. Um, I tell you what, Tony Pollard looked good last night. He did you know, coming off the ACL tear. He looked really good last. He didn't have a hundred yards rushing. Uh, what did he? What did he finish with? Uh, Fourteen carries, seventy yards, two rushing touchdowns. Yeah, he, he looked pretty well. good. He looked like he's all the way back. I agree with you. He did play well. Um, uh, all right, let's go to the other one here. You know, Washington playing perhaps the worst team in the NFL at yeah. their place, sold out the whole nine. Josh Harris flying people in, and you know the whole thing. And they 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 darn near almost lost this game to the Cards, Gunner. They survived twenty to sixteen. Hal uh, had a fumble and an interception in the game. They allowed six sacks, also. And you know some of that is probably he's holding the ball too long. I get it, um, but you know, I, and I didn't want. I truthfully, I watched highlights. I didn't watch the game itself, but they didn't look all that impressive to me, man, at all. Washington. Well, I didn't expect Washington to look impressive, but the defense held Arizona to 16 points. Um, you have a young, inexperienced quarterback in Sam Howell. Um, you have a new offensive coordinator. And it's going to take time for it to gel. You know, the offensive weapons that we thought we were going to see, uh, explosive for Washington, is not there yet. No. You know, Sam Howell's got to get on that page. You know, when you don't play that much in the preseason together – it takes regular season games to get on that same page. Mm -hmm. Washington has the weapons. What does the offensive line look like? Now, they did give up six sacks, but you're right, Rob. Uh, from, from what I've heard, Sam Howell still has to understand, get rid of the ball. Don't take unnecessary hits. Now, he is – I will say this. He shows athleticism. He stepped up and ran one in for a touchdown. Yeah, he, he he's, not, he's not one of those guys who's just, you know, plotting feet. He can move a little bit. Now, yeah, Now, he can move. So he can step up and run which is something opponents are going to have to take, you know, into consideration as well when they defend him. But in terms of being an overall good quarterback, that's going to come with time because what he saw this past Sunday, he's going to see, and then some differently 
the next time. And every week is going to be something different, something different. Somebody trying something different against this guy to rattle him. Um, if that defense can keep them in games as the offense progresses, they might be a surprise team in the NFC. They might be a surprise team. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. That That is going to be the key for them. A couple things I look at. I always like to dive into the box score and look at some things. Uh, they didn't run the ball particularly well, Derek. Robinson no. averaged yeah. like three yards per carry. Gibson had a fumble and averaged three yards per carry. As a team, they only averaged 3.3 yards per carry. McLaurin, two catches, 31 yards. Um, yeah. You know, Dotson, five for 40. Eh. Curtis Samuel, five for 54. You know, pretty solid, whatever. Yeah. They, they just they didn't do a ton offensively. You know, that's for sure. No. That's no. That, They have got to – you're right. You're, they're going to be asking, I think, a, a lot of their, their defense. they got to pick that slack up a little bit. Montez Sweat had a good game. No surprise there. Jonathan Allen did his thing. Um, but they got to be better. They, you know, they got to be better on the offensive side for sure. Washington's offensive line, just like the Giants, is a big question mark for that team. I don't think their offensive line is as bad as the Giants, but their offensive line is a big question mark. And if they lose any starters, it's going to be a mess, just like it was last year. Every time a starter went down, that offensive line went from mediocre to bad in a hurry. Now, if they can keep that offensive line together and just do enough to allow – the, Washington can be a team that can be a problem. You know, if, if Eric B enemy identifies with the weapons we have, it's best to go a lot of underneath to open up. the points. Yep. Yeah. So, all right. I, I, we lost you for a second, Gunnar. I just want to make sure you're still oh, you did. Uh, yeah. We got you. We got you. You're all good. Um, yeah. So I would say this, I would say a uh, very underwhelming, Giants, Washington, I would say Dallas, phenomenal. We'll get to San Francisco in a minute because they uh, they performed surgery on the Steelers uh, in a big way. Um, but let, let's go to the, the team the Eagles are playing in just three days. It is so crazy. We wait all seven months for football, and we get two games dropped in our lap in, in four days. It's crazy. But anyway. I, I, don't, um, I, don't, I don't have a problem with that. The problem is then you have that 10-day grace period Yes. Um, before your team plays again. But yeah. what I do like from a selfish standpoint is that this Sunday I can channel surf because you know <laughs> they're going to have dual games on. The 1 o'clock games, you're going to have games on CBS and on um, Fox. Um, on Fox. Yep. And then you're going to have a primetime fourth game, and then you're going to have a night game. So yes. from a selfish standpoint, it's one of those rare moments where you get to sit back and watch some football. Amen. I listen, I, I got you. I mean, it is nice to just chill. Like to just, I, I don't, I'm not really invested. You know, I'll, I'll be paying attention to what's going on, but you know, blah, blah, blah. It, there is well, something to be said. I'm, I'm invested in, in, in watching hopefully teams that the Eagles are going to see on their schedule. Right. I, I believe there's at least two games we'll see where the Eagles are going to have to play down the road. So those are the games that I'm, if you oh, yeah. use the word invested, then those are the games that I want to watch a little bit closer than other games. Oh, I agree. I agree. Yeah, um, yeah. All right. So let, let's look at the team that they're playing. This was a surpriser uh, here for sure. So Minnesota at home against the Tampa team that I'm not, I'm still not buying, but um, Minnesota loses Derek um, to the, to the Tampa Bay. The Eagles are seven and a half point favorites going into this, this game on uh, Thursday night, but, Despite the loss, Justin Jefferson, nine catches, 150 yards. Here's the problem for Minnesota, yeah. in my opinion, offensively. You, you made the decision to let Dalvin Cook walk. Okay? Yes. 
So what did you do to fill that void? In my opinion, not enough. How about 41 rushing yards yesterday, averaged yep. 2.4 yards on the ground. You talk about one-dimensional? They are one-dimensional, man. Well, if you go back to last season, when, when, when the season basically imploded on Tampa, it was because Tampa had so many injuries on the defensive side of the ball. When Tampa's defense is healthy, Tampa's defense is, is a murder to deal with. They have very good personnel on the defensive side of the ball. And, you know, say what you want to say about Todd Bowles as a head coach, but Todd Bowles is a very good defensive coordinator. So I understand why Vikings struggle to score points. I didn't think they would be held to 17 points. Right. And I surely didn't think Tampa Bay could score 20 points on Minnesota in Minnesota's home opener. But Tampa Bay's defense is very good, and if they stay healthy, they will present a lot of problems for a lot of teams. You will not just run up and down the field on Tampa Bay's defense, and that was obvious yesterday. So I don't know if Minnesota's running game minus Dalvin Cook is just that bad or if it was because they were playing Todd Bowles' defense. So I have to take that into consideration as well. Fair. But, that's fair. Yeah, that's but fair. the fact that Kirk Cousins put up 44 passes – for 344 yards and, and two touchdowns, and they still only came away with 17 points at home, is a little bit uh, of an eye-opener uh, yeah. to me. Yeah, they sacked um, them twice. Uh, yep. He did have a pick. Um, they they lost two fumbles. He lost two fumbles. He, 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 didn't, you know, he had a lot of turnovers in the game, uh, Derek. And they – look, they, they did a nice job, man. I, I give Bowles credit. They did a nice job, and there is still talent there. You still have Shaq Barrett. You know, you, you still have guys who can make plays on that side of Vita Vea. They still have some talent there. Devin White, Levante David. That's, that's the side so of the ball. If they're going to win games, that's where they have to win games. Yeah, 242 yards of offense. How many games are you winning in the NFL with only 242 yards of offense? It's rare. But they that's capitalized rare. on three Vikings turnovers. Three. If the Vikings don't turn the ball over, it's not a game. It's, it's not a game. Yeah. You know, Baker Mayfield didn't do anything special, but when they had a short field, he capitalized on those moments. Yeah. You know, Baker, what, what did Baker Mayfield end up with? He had two touchdowns. Uh, he had a solid game. He was 21 okay. to 34. Didn't throw for a lot. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He was okay. He was, he was okay. He did the job. I mean, look, he, he's smart. He connected with Evans. He connected with Godwin. They're the guys you got to ride, man. Oh, you, oh, they you don't have, have a running game either, by the way. Tampa. Yeah. There's, they have, there's they have nothing. Yeah. They have nothing. You know, when your lead runner is Rashad White, you know, they have nothing in a running game. You know, mm -hmm. they, have, they have 73 yards rushing, and Mayfield had eight carries for 11 yards. What does that tell you about the running game? All now, right, they do have Chase Edmonds. Yeah. Go ahead. They do have Chase Edmonds, but their offensive yep. line. Here's another team with offensive line issues. We've talked about three teams now that have offensive line issues in the NFC. Yeah. You know, so they can't they can't run the ball. And Baker Mayfield is not a guy who's going to beat you putting the ball up 45 times a game. No, that's, and that's a happen. recipe for disaster if that's the case. Yeah. If you're throwing that yeah, much. So. All right. Early trend that I'm seeing around the league. All of this ignoring the running game and you don't need a running back jazz, I, I think, is biting some teams in the rear end. I do. I do. And I think it may you, you may be seeing some very one dimensional attacks as we move forward here. Um, and if that is the case, that's going to prove the point of running backs in the NFL of just how valuable they can be to an offense. Because I don't care if you are a pass-happy offense. 
you need a decent running game to offset that, to keep a defense off uh, honest. You can't allow a defense, even an average defense, just to pin back its ears and send extra attackers because they, they know you're going to put up the football 85% of the time compared to 15% running. You need balance. You know, that's why you see teams like Tennessee that stay committed to the run game. You know, say what you want to say about a 49ers offense. It's a balanced offense. Look how many carries Christian McCaffrey had yesterday. Okay. Look at how effective their running game is. You know, you know how much pressure that takes off of a Brock Purdy to be able to do some of the things that he does? Mm-hmm. You know, so you've got these one-dimensional teams. Basically, you're making it easier for defensive coordinators to scheme against you. If they know you're going to put up the football 70 times or 70% of the times or more, you're making it a lot easier for, for coordinators to scheme against you in a yeah. lot of ways. You've got to be unpredictable. Even though we know this is a pass-happy league, you have to be more unpredictable. Plain and simple. Yeah, I mean, they uh, – Alexander Matson ran it 11 times for 34 yards. That's three yards per carry. Ty Chandler three times for nothing. Cousins scrambled three times for seven yards. That was the, the, the entirety of their running attack. Like, it was bad, and they didn't even really attempt to do much with it, which, which becomes – and again – do, do the Vikings have a lot of weapons on the outside? Yeah. I mean, Jefferson, Addison, Hawkinson, but yes. still you got to be able to, to have some semblance of a balance. If, if, if uh, Kirk Cousins thinks he's going to come in here and, 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 and rely on 40 yards of rushing and put up the ball 40, 50 times, he's in for a long night, just like he was last year. That's not going to happen. That's just not going to happen here. Even though they have Addison and Jefferson coming in here now, what did they do to attack the side of the field that Slay is not on? That's going to be a key. Do they go to more quick slant type? Um, if do they go to more quick slant type to, to 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 offset? Because the Eagles' pass rush is coming. Yeah, there's no question the pass rush is coming. And if you're going to have Cousins go back 45, 45 50 times, you're playing right into the Eagles' defense's hand, mm-hmm. which makes it a one-sided game again. You have to be able to establish some type of run. I don't think the Vikings can do it against this Eagles front. Yeah, I, 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 yeah, that's going to be the big thing for the and, and look is is can they have a semblance of balance? Can they get Jefferson going? How much are they going to go to to Hawkinson in this game? Is going to be a big part. You know, we haven't talked about yet, Derek. Back to the Eagles game, mm. the, the the Brady impact. You know, we wondered before the game if there was going to be anything from an emotional wave. Right. I, I don't know about you. I just felt. Again, we weren't there, so I, I'm watching it on TV and you know listening to it, et cetera. But did you feel any kind of vibe? Like I heard his speech was really um, nice. I didn't get a chance to hear it, but I don't think it affected the game at all, one way or the other. Know, I, I think the fact that the Patriots decided to do it at halftime kind of neutralized some of that initial game enthusiasm. Now, fans were jacked up, obviously, first game of the season at home. Brady's in the house. But yeah. the ceremony was at halftime. I was thinking they were going to do the ceremony before the game. You know, you build, you know, fan Patriots fans are going to be there early. Every time I've covered a game in New England, the place is packed well before kickoff. Yep. So I thought, you know, if it would have been announced that the Brady ceremony was going to be before kickoff, I thought that would have been extra juice. Now, you can't factor in two miscues early in the game, you know, a fumble and a pick six. You can't, you can't, you just can't. But because of those things happened and the team fell behind 16 nothing early on, it kind of took the fans out of the game because I'm sure they're thinking like we are. Here we go again. We're already down 16 nothing early in the game, and they were basically sitting on their hands. So when it became six, it, the fans really didn't get into the game until no. it became 16-7. 
Well, I, you know what I think the other thing it does? It serves as a reminder, like, this dude isn't playing. No. You know, we got Mac Jones. We, we don't have yeah. Tom Brady. Like, it's kind of a bummer if you're a fan. <laughs> we, like, like we, reality has set in a little bit here. The, go, the goat ain't walking out on that no, field anymore. No, the know. goat's up in a suite somewhere. The goat ain't, ain't stepping on the field right now. <laughs> but that also goes back to – as much as I do think Belichick actually outcoached Sirianni in the game, I, because I didn't like really anything the Eagles did from a schematical standpoint, whatever. Right. I don't think this is a good Patriot team. I think they're a mediocre Patriot team. And uh, uh, you saw Miami went bananas yesterday. You're talking about a Jets and a Bills team, which we're going to see tonight. They're not making the playoffs, man. I, I wonder yeah. what happens here yeah. with him. They weren't a good team last year, but they went eight and nine. Yeah. And I see the I see the Patriots as a team going eight and nine. You know, if they're lucky somewhere, maybe nine and eight, but still that's not going to be good enough for them to get in the playoffs, especially when you stack the Patriots against let's 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 call it what it is. The entire AFC North, the entire AFC West. You know, and then you got three teams ahead of you in the East that on paper are better than you and more talent than you. There's no way they're making the playoffs, you know. Their defense is going to keep them in a lot of games just like their defense did last year. But offensively, they don't have the manpower to win more games than they're going to lose this year. Do you think, if it's another sort of mediocre year, do you think Belichick stays because he wants to break the record there? Or do you think he's your heads off for greener pastures to, to you know keep coaching but maybe just needs to change the scenery? If, we, if what we heard all offseason that – Robert Kraft is pecking at his heels about his drafts and about not succeeding. If what we hear is true about this possible tension between the two, if I'm Bill Belichick, you know what? I pull up stakes and I relocate my circus somewhere else. Hmm. Now, how close is he to the record? How, do you uh, know how many I'll pull it up. Right now? I'll pull it up. Uh, NFL time by head coaches. All right. So let's see where he is. All right. Uh, well, he's he's got a he's got thirty more to go, Derek. So he so is thirty got, more. Okay. Yeah, Shul is at three twenty eight. George Hallis is at three eighteen, and then and then Belichick two ninety eight. Okay. Um, that so you I, figure that's you know that's three four more years. We um we we know that there's going to be three to four jobs open at the end of this year. And he could put himself in a position where he doesn't have to take a bottom dweller. Um, he could take a team in the middle of the road, nice. implement his defensive scheme, and, and have a team that's on the cusp of turning the corner but hasn't had that fortune over the last several years. Mm-hmm. And even he can go there for three years and, and, and possibly get that record. Yeah. You know? um, he's done what he needs to do in New England. You know, And if he feels, I'm tired of this mess up here, I don't need to – I don't need an owner nipping at my heels for whatever the case, for whatever the reason may be. I can see him pulling up state. He's a lifer. He's like a Pete Carroll. He's a lifer in yeah. terms of coaching. Football is his life. I wonder. I don't, you know, the more I think about that, I don't, I don't think it's going to happen in New England. I think it'll happen somewhere else. Um, I, oof, I agree with you. I don't think Robert Kraft is a patient man. You know, this is what, year four? Year four without, without Brady. Brady? Yeah. And I think it sticks in Robert Kraft's craw that Brady not only leaves, but he goes to Tampa, and his first year in Tampa, he wins the Super Bowl. Right. I think that still sticks in his craw. Okay. All right. Let's. I, uh, can, see, I can see Bill O'Brien 
being elevated to head coach if if, if uh, Belichick decided to leave. Wow, wow. Maybe, maybe. Look, it's possible. I mean, he's got a good relationship with Kraft. It's anything's possible. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. All right, let's get a timeout. Let's come back. Speaking of the Dolphins, that this was the game of the day. 36-34 shootout with the Chargers. You had a really impressive performance from the Browns, from the Niners, uh, Raiders, who a lot of people didn't give any credit to uh, yesterday against the Broncos. The Packers, Derek. Jordan Love. Uh, I, I was proud of the fact that they beat a division rival. I'll, I'll save it for the other side. Okay, okay. Uh, a couple other upsets here and there. The, the Rams taking care of business. We'll talk about the Saints, and we'll get into tonight's game as well. All right, don't go anywhere. He's Derek. I'm Rob. We're Sports Take, Jacob Sports YouTube Network. Let's talk about Flynn Tree Services. Flynn Tree Services is an experienced, licensed, and insured Pennsylvania tree services company that will trim or remove any unwanted trees off of your property. They offer cost-effective solutions to any tree problem that you may face. They're experts at trimming all types of trees, and they serve southeastern Pennsylvania, South Jersey, as well as northern Delaware. You go to their Facebook or Instagram uh, page for more information or a sampling of their work. Give Flynn Tree Services a call at 610-850-2848. 610-850-2848 or online at FlynnTreeServices.com. That's FlynnTreeServices.com. Passionately, go fearlessly, go confidently. Go first. <clears throat> go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years, and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction, go with trust, go first. and go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go birds. fans on earth it's a bold statement but would you expect anything less from philadelphia 58 years of heartache creates a toughness a grit a resolve not found in most sure our prayers were answered but now that we've had a taste we're looking for more pondley hockey official partner of the philadelphia eagles Go to get your game on. 
Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. We're back. Yes, hour number three of the program. Hey, baby. At week one of the NFL. I, it's Derek, I got to tell you, it's so what? refreshing that we actually have games, real games, to talk about. It really is. I, I am I am quite happy. That's a, that's I, a long, today, I was happy. Yeah. That's a long time to talk about football from from late February all the way through the first or second week of September. Oof. To talk about speculations, trades, drafts, projections. That's a long time, man. But you know what? Thank goodness, because back in the day, man, in the 70s, early 80s, once the football season was over, it was dead. There was no football talk. Mm-hmm. Once the NFL expanded it, I mean, give give the NFL credit. You know, they expanded it and made it a year-round discussion. You know, they have the shortest amount of games played. You know, you look at baseball, football, basketball. I mean, uh, b- basketball, foot, baseball, and hockey. You got eighty-two games. You got one hundred sixty-two games. You know, so you're talking about it, you know for a long time. You know, you start talking about basketball in September. You're not done until June. You know, baseball, you start in February at spring training. You know, you're not done until November. You know, that's a short turnaround. Football, man, it, it gets it gets it's dead. After the Super Bowl, it's dead. Yeah. You know, we get psyched, we get hyped up about free agency. We get hyped up about the draft, a few trades here and there, a few later. But outside of that, man, even training camp doesn't generate no. It it generates buzz because football is back, but it it doesn't you know, preseason games don't generate that kind of buzz. I agree you know? with you. I agree with you. Uh, You're right. All right. Like back. We're back. It's nice. It's nice that it's back. All right. Let, let's update on a couple of injuries here. Uh, we know N'Kobe Dean is going to be out several weeks with a foot injury, but he doesn't need surgery uh, from the Eagles. But we mentioned this a little bit earlier. Uh, the right tackle, who is who is a really good player, Jack Conklin for the Browns, uh, left knee injury. He's done for the season. And that was confirmed. Um, it's believed that he tore his ACL and MCL, and he will undergo surgery to uh, to end his season. He was an All-Pro in his first year in Cleveland in 2020. He's battled some injuries since then, but when he's on the field, he's a good player. So that that's a tough one for them. Well, how about the young kid, the running back for Baltimore, J.K. Dobbins? Yeah, I mean, that's, that's can't get out of first yeah. game ruptures his Achilles. He's, he's done. His Achilles, he's done for the year. Second year, this kid who was a such a dominant player at Ohio State. He can't get out of his own way as a pro, huh. you know, because of injuries. It's re- it's really a shame, man. He's a very talented kid, but he- his season's over before it starts. It's a shame. It you really know? is. Yeah, yeah. I mean, my goodness. And look across the league at prominent players that fell by the wayside yesterday. It's it's scary, man. But then it goes back to what we're saying, you know, because of of, of the handcuffed training camp scenarios. The first games of the season are when you get your body shocked into game shape for the most part. And that's where you see a lot of these soft tissue injuries, man, the hamstrings, the knee sprains, the ankle sprains, so on and so forth. And it costs teams key players early in the season. Hopefully 
you know, most of them get back sooner or later, but you're right. Uh, man, devastating. When you, you're losing players you're counting on, and all of a sudden they're gone. They don't even get to finish out a whole game. They're gone. Yeah. It is tough, man. All right, so let's go to some of the games. Let's start with this one because it was the it was the crazier craziest game of the day for sure. Thirty six, thirty four. The Dolphins beat the Chargers. So Tua goes for four hundred and sixty six passing yards, three touchdowns. He did have an interception, a one hundred and ten passer rating. Miami had nine plays of twenty one yards or or more. I'm surprised. The, the Cheetah, uh, two hundred and fifteen receiving yards and two touchdowns um you know they're really they picked right up Derek where they left off last year before Tua got hurt being an offensive explosive team um what's impressive about Tua is he only completed 28 passes for 466 yards yeah it was bombs away for that team okay now you always hear me talk about how there's no way I'm going to a game because I don't want to go too early and I don't want to have to leave before the game is over especially as good this particular game, if you could helicopter me in and drop me there, and if you could helicopter me out after a game, that's the game I wish I could have been at yesterday. Yes. Because that was back and forth, back and forth. What a great game. Now, obviously, when you're both defenses, your coaches are going to be doing a lot of yelling this week because <laughs> you gave up a lot of yards, both defenses. And both of them have better defensive personnel than what they put on display yesterday. But from an offensive standpoint, it, you know, with the league trying to make it more of an offensive-minded game, that's exactly what they got from this game. Two, yes. you got you got the, the highest-paid quarterback in the game now, in, in just well, now the second highest-paid quarterback in Justin Herbert. You got Tua, who really came on before he got hurt last year. He picked up right where he left off. Justin Herbert's slinging it. Uh, man, I wish I could have seen this game. I really did. It was a nail-biter to the end. It did look like a fun one, man. But how about the char- The Chargers rushed for 234 yards. I know. On, on, on a Dolphins defense, I know it's better than what they played yesterday. Wow, man. They'll get that figured out. You yeah, know, oh, oh, for sure, for sure. When, I mean, when, I, was the, when was the last time a Chargers rushing attack outshined his passing game? Well, that's Think a good question. It. It's I, been a long time. I, I think that also goes to – if not the most, one of the most underrated players in the NFL is Austin Eckler. Oh, there's no question. That shows up every week, man. Can run, can catch the ball. He, he's a phenomenal player. He's a, he's similar to a Christian McCaffrey. Yeah. You know, he's used in a lot of different ways. They'll they'll line him up in a slot. You know, they'll pitch it to him. You know, he, he might even throw it. He might even throw the ball every now and then. But mm-hmm. he is a phenomenal talent, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and – I expect both teams to get it right, to get it better on defense. Right. To be honest with you, especially when you consider what divisions they're playing in, they have no choice but to get it better. There's too much talent on both sides of the ball, or on both for both teams on the defensive side for it to look like this. I just think again, that's why you have to take Week One with a grain of salt. There's just weird stuff happens. You're not, it, it's sloppy. You're not all the way ready. You're certainly not going to be anywhere near as good as you were going to be in three, four weeks. It's just weird stuff happens week one. It's, it's hard to handicap games and, 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 you know, week one. So you just got to, it's why Eagles fans have to remember is it, it looked kind of ugly at times on Sunday, but that doesn't mean it's going to look like that two weeks from now. That's all. Um, consider how, considering how much raggedy football we saw yesterday. If, if the team I'm rooting for can come out with a W instead of an L, I'll take that any way Same. you get it. 
you know, and same way, I guarantee you, Miami was enjoying their trip back across country, knowing that they went across country and got that got that uh, all important W, you know, um, because that's you. Hey, look, you're you're in a race. You're in a nuclear race in the AFC East, you know, with those other two teams, man. So I don't care how you get it. I don't care if we're last in defense and first in offense. If we're piling up the wins and we're neck and neck with the likes of Buffalo and the Jets, I'll have to take it. I'm not happy about it, but I'll have to take it. Yeah, I agree. I agree. All right, well, let, let's stay for that because stay on that for a minute because we just referenced the 49ers. Okay, so they went into Pittsburgh yesterday and really hammered them. And I watched a good amount of that game and Pittsburgh was never competitive in this game, Derek, never. Um, you know, San Fran hurt you in a lot of different ways. Like McCaffrey went for 152 on the ground, had a great touchdown run. Uh, Ayuk, eight catches, 129 yards, two touchdowns. Steelers could only rush it for 41 yards yesterday uh it was ferocious like san fran came out on a mission they really did um they played exactly how i expected them to play on defense um offensively you know brock purdy did exactly what brock purdy was is supposed to do in a cow shanahan offense don't turn the ball all over don't make mistakes find your part targets let the rest of us let our rugged offensive line let our skill position players do what they're supposed to do it. They had 188 yards rushing on Pittsburgh's defense. You know, Purdy was 19 to 29, two touchdowns. Um, didn't make mistakes with the football, and the defense did the rest. I mean, they sacked Kenny Pickett five times. Mm-hmm. They put Kenny Pickett in, in, in a pressure box the entire game, and they they put a chokehold on him because Pittsburgh, which would take which takes pride in this running game, 41 yards rushing. Najee Harris only had six carries in the entire game, and they had 41 yards rushing. And Pickett had four of the yards rushing. So yeah. technically, your running backs um, only gave you 37 yards rushing. <laughs> yeah, and, and, you know, Pickett wasn't able to do anything. Um, they they just – they can hurt you in a lot of different ways. They really can. I mean, their pass rush is excellent. Their their linebacking play is excellent. Their secondary is really good. Uh, offensively, Ayuk has really risen his game. I mean uh, – I said to you in the in the pre-show, he, you can make a case he's their best receiver. Debo can do a lot, but Ayuk's really flourishing now. He has a great connection with Purdy. Uh, it, it, yeah, it looks like they're the Batman and Robin of that of that 49ers team. But man, what a supporting cast! When you have Debo Samuel, George Kittle, Christian McCaffrey, Jawan Jennings, Elijah Mitchell, and Mitchell, and Jennings and Mitchell had no touches. They had one targets each in the game, but they had no touches, and the 49ers were still that dominant. They have right. so many different options to go to, and their defense, their defense is as talented as any defense in the National Football League. Mm-hmm. You know, when you spend that kind of money for a Javon Hargrave to add to an already potent defense, mm-hmm. that tells you what they're all about, man. Yeah, and they're gonna make, they're gonna make it tough for everybody they play, everybody yeah, across the board. I agree. Uh, let's go. Uh, let's go. Browns Bengals again. I thought this was going to be a really good game. I liked Cleveland in the game, but I didn't like them to to, to a twenty four to three, you know, kind of win. Um, Joe Burrow eighty two passing yards. Derek he averaged two point six yards per pass. He had a fifty two passer rating. I mean, they just nullified that Cincinnati, uh, you know, offensive game. And I get they were playing in bad weather, but both teams were playing in bad weather. 
Um, here's another matchup I thought was going to be one of those old school style knockdown drag out fights. Um, the problem was Jamar Chase really ticked off the Browns when he called them elves before the game. <laughs> he said, we'll play a bunch of elves. You know what? You know, why would you put Bill? Why would you give a divisional opponent more bulletin board material? What, a, what I know, but what a weird like elves. I know it's that little dude, that little whatever he's supposed to be, who's their logo, but it's like, I mean, seriously, they're, they're you're gonna call a team a bunch of elves, yeah, <laughs> and you got to go into their backyard and play the game, the first game of the season. Uh, Looking at Joe Burrow, usually has 82 yards passing in a quarter, yeah. minimum. I don't know if I don't, to be honest with you, I don't know if his calf was 100. percent I don't, honest. I don't think I, and I think he was thinking about it on that sloppy turf. I really do. Like, I think it was in his head a little bit. Yeah, I, I agree with you. But, you know, uh, Deshaun Watson looked okay in the offense. You know, oh. wasn't a world beater. But, you know, he's had a full offseason now to get in that Stefanski, um, that, that offense. Um, and, 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 I, and when you got 206 yards rushing, they basically pounded Cincinnati defense. Yep. They just pounded. They had 206 yards. Nick Chubbs is exactly who we know he is. Yep. You know, he, he pounded them between the tackles. Overall, they pounded him rushing the ball, you know. Um, and then Jamar Chase comes out of the game and still says, we lost to a bunch of bleeping elves. He yeah, he doubles, the, he doubled down he on it. He, he still wouldn't let go. And I'm like, dude, yeah. you got to play him again. <laughs> you, 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 I, I agree. I agree with Bobby. It, it is. That is funny. I mean, <laughs> I do think it's funny. But anyway, but it was dumb. You don't, you don't need to incite them anymore. First of all, you know, those two teams hate each other. It's a, it's an in-state battle. You know what I mean? Like, you don't need to fuel that fire right. too much, um, you know, for sure. So, props to Cleveland. I, I think Cleveland is going to be way better than they were last year. And, and yep. you know, if Watson continues to get himself back into who he was with that deep – Miles Garrett was everywhere, as you would expect. And they're just good defensively. They just are. They're a very good defensive team. I, I don't know – if Cleveland can can equate to being good enough to get in the postseason, but when you play them, if you beat Cleveland, you're going to come out saying, we earned that win. Oh. I don't, they're not going to be an easy out by any stretch of the imagination. They have good receivers. One, you know, one of the top two or three offensive lines in the game. Uh, great running game. Uh, and now Deshaun Watson is a year further along in that, in that offense. The defense is solid across yeah. the board. You know, pass rush, linebackers, secondary, they're so solid. You know, I told you last week, I love their secondary. I love the personnel in their secondary. Yeah. And they play yeah. like it, man. They they put a beat down on Cincinnati yesterday. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Uh, all right, let's go. Uh, let's go Raiders. This is an upset. Raiders beating the Broncos 17-16. But maybe we should have seen it coming because the Raiders have won seven straight over Denver. I'll tell you yeah. what, Jimmy G and Jacoby Myers, that was a nice little hookup yesterday. Those two uh, were good together. Yeah, you know, um, and, and obviously that held up for Jimmy yes. G. Um, yes. And from the Broncos we saw, they still they still can't score. You know, they were held 16 points. They still can't score. And Sean Payton, who was an offensive mastermind, couldn't put him in a better position. I will say this, though. I thought Russell Wilson played a better game. Yeah. You know, a little he, more he fluid. more nimble. Yeah, he looks more yeah. He lost weight. He looks he like looked, the Russell of old, you know. Yeah. Um, but they've got a ways to go. Um, and, and I thought Jimmy G came out. He was 20 of 26, you know, fishing game. But, see, that's Jimmy G's game. 
Jimmy G is not one of these world beater quarterbacks. He's an efficient quarterback. He's a manager of a game. He doesn't turn the ball over much. He threw a pick in this game, but he doesn't turn the ball over much. When you have him under center, all you want him to do is don't make mistakes. And he's very good at that. And and the defense came to play for them. I'll give him that. The defense played well. And Jimmy G didn't have – he wasn't sacked at all. The the Raiders offensive line did a really good job. Now, going in – Denver was minus two receivers and they, and, and they didn't have Jerry Judy also, right? you know, so they were handcuffed in their passing game in terms of what they wanted to do in that regard. Um, when you're leading a receiver is Samaj Piran with four catches for 37 yards. You, you got problems. You, you got a problem there, you know, yeah, and, and, I mean, and special teams killed them. So Peyton tries to yeah, start the game yeah. with an onside kick, which yeah. they recovered, but they touched it before 10 yards. Will yep. Lutz, who was his guy in New Orleans, who they brought there, stunk. He missed field goals, extra points. Yep. They ran yep. Brandon McManus. They let him walk. He goes to Jacksonville, and he kicked great for them. Yeah, he did. Yeah, uh, that that move does not look good right now. Sometimes, sometimes decision makers cannot think themselves. You know, whether yeah. it comes down to money, whether it comes down to a guy getting older. Prime example, although it didn't rear, rear its head yesterday. Nick Folk, one of the best kickers in the game, is what, 37, 38 years old. The Patriots used a fourth-round pick on a kicker, and they shipped Nick Folk off to to, to, uh, Tennessee. You know, Um, there's something to be said for veterans in all facets of the game, you know. (laughs) And obviously, for Denver, uh, that came back to bite them. Yeah, it did, in a big way. Yeah, but but, hey, credit to the Raiders, man, because there was a lot of hype coming in with Sean Payton. Uh, in that game. All right, Derek, your pack 38 20 over uh, the Bears. Jordan Love 245, three touchdowns, no picks. How about a 123.2 passer rating? Uh, he looks good. He does not look overwhelmed. He does not look like a first year starter. He looks like a guy who's been biding his time the smart way and is ready to play. And I, you know, I know the Bears aren't great, but still, he looked really good yesterday. Going into that game, I was concerned because the Bears had spent so much money in the offseason uh, bringing in defensive personnel. And they even rated the, they even rated the Packers in, in terms of getting a tight end from the Packers as well. Um, and I thought it would be a closer game. You know, Justin Fields had more experience. Um, Jordan Love is older, but Justin Fields had more experience. And it was 7-6 at one point. I'm thinking this is going to be nip and tuck all the way. And then all of a sudden, you know, uh, I'm getting up reports, updates from my cousin in Milwaukee. And once Jordan Love settled in, man, he picked the Bears apart. He really oh. did. You know, um, Green Bay's offensive line only gave up one sack. And they had a defensive touchdown. Linebacker had a pick six. They got four sacks on Justin Fields um, still. And funny thing is, John McMullen, who, you know, is a good friend and colleague of ours. Yeah. You know, he was, in a, he was in a green room with us because he didn't get to go to New England. And he's sitting there. We're, we're looking at scores flashing across the screen. He said, D-Gun, he goes, I heard you, I hear you talking to Rob about you, you. You're not sure about the Packers. He said, but I got the Packers picked as one of my seven playoff teams. And I said, you know, Rob says the same thing. I said, I'm not quite there. If anybody should have more faith in him, I'm not there yet. But I got to see a few more games of how Matt LaFleur coaches without Aaron Rodgers under center. Yeah. Now, we, we've heard so many stories about how Rodgers had the freedom to change plays. And Rodgers did not like throwing to the middle of the field a lot. He always liked to throw to the outside. Mm-hmm. You know, Jordan Love used the entire field yesterday. 
Yeah. And you know, we heard about how the offensive coordinator for the Packers said, we're going to be able to run our offense now. You know, and he says this back in May, and you're thinking, okay, what is your offense with an inexperienced quarterback? Well, we got a sample of it. I can't get on the bandwagon yet, Rob, until I see them play a better opponent. I'm sorry. Okay. You know what? You and and John McMullen have more faith than I, than I do. <laughs> I, I think it's just because you're so close to the situation, right? You don't want to be burned necessarily. I, I just – We'll see. I think they're good, man. I think they're good. Uh, I told you, I told you this summer on a show, and I'm sticking to this. Yeah, this is a season where I go in as even keel as I've ever gone in about about watching that team. Yeah, low expectation. That's good. Low expectations. Um, now they have a favorable schedule. I'll give you that. They, they have one of the weaker schedules, which is understandable considering they had a losing record. Yeah, but they still have some heavyweights they've got to play. I need to see. I need to see him perform, and I need to see that defense perform against better competition. Off to a great start, four quarterback sacks. They got a pick six. The defense got a pick six. Jordan Love was smooth as silk in the pocket. The running game wasn't quite there yet, but then again, I'm not worried about the running game. Although Aaron Jones scored on a touchdown run and grabbed his hamstring. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, I mean, AJ, I'm sorry, Aaron Jones. Aaron Jones scores a touchdown, grabs his hamstring. He's vital to that offense in the passing game and the running game. And conversely, um, you know, Justin Fields, yeah, he was running around, but they didn't do anything in the passing game. You know, you didn't see much from DJ Moore uh, no, and, and some of their no. other weapons that they have. In fact, uh, Fields went to the podium and apologized to everybody for the way it went. So, yeah, which is kind of interesting. I, you know, so we're still left with the questions. Is he a runner? Can he throw the ball too at this level? We don't know yet. That wasn't answered certainly in that game. That's for sure. Well, Green Bay's back end of the defense is the strength of their defense. They have three former first-round picks on the end of that defense. Yeah. You know, so they can cover. It's the run defense that was a big problem for Green Bay all last season. You know, they gave 122 yards rushing yesterday, but granted, they were after. They were after Justin Fields all day. So the quarterbacks, especially a scrambling quarterback who had a 1,000-yard rushing last year, is going to get his rushing yards out of desperation and because – you know, when all else fails, what does the quarterback do? You got to take off, you know. So I understand that. But if, if Green Bay's defense holds up, that's going to keep them in a lot of games. But, Rob, like I told you, I'll tell John McMullen, not there yet. Not there. Okay. All right, fair enough, fair enough. Um, Rams beat the Seahawks. Derek, I give I give the Rams a lot of credit. They that was did a shock. Yeah, without Cooper, 30 to 13, pretty impressive. So uh, I, I know you had both of these guys, 2-2 two, two Atwell for 119 oh, yeah. yards. Puka oh, yeah. Naku had oh, also yeah. 119 yards. Th- so this tells me two things. One, good job out of Stafford. And secondly, really good job out of McVay coaching these guys up despite not having Cooper Cup and getting just contributions out of everybody. I mean, that's a, that's a good win for, for the Rams. I am shocked that Stafford threw for 334 yards against Seattle's defense. Even though Seattle's defense was last in the league last year, they spent money in the offseason. Yeah. I'm shocked he threw for 334 yards without Cooper Cup as one of his primary targets. Um, they ran the ball just enough uh, to keep Seattle's defense on its heels. I'm surprised that Geno Smith, who led the league um, – Last year in completion percentage at almost 70%, going 16 of, of 26 for a buck 12. Mm-hmm. Now, the Rams' defense, if you really think about it, outside of um, Aaron Donald, they have a bunch of no names on defense. 
They held Seattle to 85 yards rushing. Seattle loves to run the football. And when you have the likes of DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, and Njigba out there, I'm looking at the numbers. Metcalf did have a touchdown. He had three catches for 47 yards. Tyler Lockett, two catches for 10 yards. Mm-hmm. And Njigba, three catches for 13 yards. And yet yeah. the Rams had two guys, you know, the Rams had two guys that would make great scrabble, you know, get you a lot of points in scrabble. <laughs> that, that combined for 16 catches, 238 yards. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, um, I, I, yes, I would, I would agree with that. It was, it was, I didn't, I certainly didn't have those guys getting in the end zone. I can tell you that. Um, so beyond that, Derek, I, and I thought that again, I thought it was really impressive what they were able to do. Uh, the question is, is Geno Smith that guy, or was last year kind of a, a one hit wonder for him? I'm not well, laying it all on him, obviously, right. but I'm just saying. I need to see at least three or four more games before I give you a definitive answer. Yeah. Um, like I said, we saw a lot of sloppy football across the league yesterday. But the fact that Seattle had that game at home and he, and they played the way they played was a little bit eye-opening. I think that game is the second biggest shocking game of the day. Um, the first game had to be the way Cleveland took Cincinnati to the woodshed. But I think the Rams going into Seattle and winning that game as, as handedly as they did was the second biggest shocker of the day. Um, I need to see a little bit more in terms of games from Chino. You know, Pete Carroll is a great offensive coach. Um, and, and I guarantee you there's going to be some adjustments made. There has to be. When you have that kind of wealth he has at wide receiver and that run, that young running back, that's not the Seattle That's not the Seattle offense we saw down the stretch that got them in the playoffs last year. Mm. Yeah, I agree. I agree. All right. Uh, Saints beat the Titans 16-15. Uh, Derek Carr, 305 yards passing. Olave went over the 100-yard mark. Very impressive for him. Uh, Tannehill had three interceptions in the game. They held Derrick Henry to just 63 yards rushing. I mean, that's mm. there's your there's your key, right? You shut him down, and and everything else will take care of itself. Um, I'm surprised. You know, DeAndre Hopkins didn't get more targets. He had seven, and I'm surprised Traylon Burks only had two two oh. catches, three targets the entire game. Traylon Burks had three targets the entire game, three targets. Whereas DeAndre had 13. I thought it would be more of a balance between the two. Obviously, it's the first game. But, uh, you know, you're right. If you can if you can cut the head off the dragon, in this case, Derrick Henry, you have a really good chance of beating a very physical Tennessee team. And that was a physical game, very physical game. You have two teams with really good personnel on their defensive side, two good teams with, with decent offensive personnel. Although, uh, although Alvin Kamara is not there yet, uh, when Alvin Kamara gets back from the suspension, that's going to open up their offense even more. So that's why I'm still adamant about the fact that New Orleans is going to win that NFC South. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I know people go back and forth, Atlanta, you know, New Orleans, Atlanta, New Orleans. I just think with Derek Carr under center compared to Ritter under center down in Atlanta, I think that's advan- that's the advantage uh, for New Orleans going down the stretch. All right. All right. We'll see. Now, tonight, tonight, Bills at the Jets. Yes, Bills, Jets, Aaron Rodgers. We finally get to see him in a real game in a Jets uniform. Bills with a lot of questions coming off of the way last year and the last couple of years have ended. Uh, Bills are two-point favorites. 
in this one, Derek. What do you think? What do you think of the Bills Jets? Are, oh, oh, by the way, no more, no De- likely no Demar Hamlin. Not an injury thing, just sort of a numbers crunch thing from a roster standpoint. I'm sorry. Go ahead. The, let's see. Bills are favored by two points. To me, that's a pick'em game. Yeah. First of all, because you really don't know what you have in these new look Jets. I mean, you really don't. But you're talking about two teams that are going to want to bring it physically. There's no question about that. Um, you're talking about a Buffalo defense that finished number seven in the league last year and a Jets defense that finished fifth in the league last year. You're talking about two defenses that didn't give up a lot of points. Buffalo's defense gave up 18 points a game. The Jets defense gave up 18.6 points a game. I mean, you're talking about two evenly matched teams. The difference is Josh Allen has played with his personnel a lot longer than Aaron Rodgers did. Yeah, that's true. Um, I want to take the Jets at home in this game. I think Aaron Rodgers wants to show out in front of a national audience. I think Aaron Rodgers has found that fountain of youth um, in terms of being rejuvenated and wanting to show the Packers organization what they let go and wanting to show the world he's not this diva who's more concerned about himself than he is for the overall betterment of the team. I think it's going to be a good, close, hard-fought AFC East-type game. I look for the Jets to pull this one out today. Do you? I, I kind of like the Bills, man. Okay. I, I, right. I think they're going to spoil the party a little. I, I think no Von Miller, though. Don't forget, no Von Miller. I know. That's a big deal. I, I think the, the key to this game for me is the Jets have a vaunted defensive front. Can the yeah. Bills protect – Allen, I know Allen's mobile, but can they protect him enough where he either isn't getting hit a lot or they're not forcing him into turnovers because turnovers have been gigantic for him, especially in the red yes. zone. Yes. If he, if he, like, if this is a game where uh, Josh Allen has no turnovers, I'm telling you right now, the Bills win this game. I think that's the key to everything is him just not giving up the ball. Can, can we, we talk about, we talk about Jalen Carter being such a disruptive, explosive force between the tackle and the guard. Yeah. The Jets have a young man named Quentin Williams who just got paid, who is lights out one of the best D tackles in the game. He is phenomenal. Yeah. You know, I'm not going to put him in the same breath as Aaron Donald, but he's not that far behind him. He is phenomenal. Uh, Can Buffalo's offensive line hold him? Because if they can't stop him, it's going to be a long night for Josh Allen. Josh Allen's going to be on the run a lot. Here's the other thing I would tell you is, and, th- and this relates to um, to nine eleven. So Robert Sala's brother was in one of the uh, one of the buildings that got hit in the World yeah. Trade Center, yeah. and and survived. Uh, Re- uh, Peter King has a great story on it today, and uh, on on NBC Sports and uh, MMQB. If you get a chance to check it out, it's very very well done, and I'm sure you'll see um, ESPN do stuff on it tonight. But it's yeah. It's crazy. Like he, it changed his whole perspective on life and, and this and that. But it's if you get a chance to check it out, check it out. It's very, very good. Uh, very well done. Uh, but I mentioned DeMar Hamlin just as sort of a numbers crunch here with the roster. Not going to play. He's not hurt. He's not having any kind of issues. Right, right. Uh, they felt like he had a good camp. But it's it just, he, you know, he's a backup. He, you know, we tend to forget about that. He's, he's a backup and a special teamer. And sometimes those guys just don't make the cut. Again, we don't know that officially, but that's the way it's looking. Yep. that he'll be a healthy scratch uh, in that game. So that that was some of the uh, you know the bigger games. I would say the other games just to get, catch people up real quick. So the uh, the Jags beat the Colts 31-21. Uh, 
Uh, the Texas- so, Anthony Richardson, he made a few mistakes, but he played decent. He, 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 yeah. This kid, when you're 6'4", 255 pounds, he, you know, he took some big shots. Mm-hmm. I, I saw we were watching the game in the green room. He took a shot, and he laid on the ground a little bit. Welcome to the NFL shot, but he got up. But yeah. that kid, what him under Steichen is going to be an interesting player to watch this season. I agree with you. I agree. I, I think, and he's so big. Oh, my God, man. I mean, he is strong. They, they were trying to arm tackle him a couple times, and yeah. man, he was yeah. just plowing guys. Uh, the Ravens beat the Texans 25-9. to nine. Uh, and that, that's right. I think we kind of ran through every other game. And yeah. of course you go back yeah. to Thursday. If you forgot about that, uh, the lions, uh, beat the, uh, the chiefs 21, yep. 20. Um, so, you know, it should be interesting. And by the way, Derek, next Monday night, not tonight, but the following, we get a double header. Did you know that we go back into double header mode? Yeah. You know, they used to do it the first game of the season. I wonder why they're waiting until the second week of the season to do it. Yeah, maybe just to totally focus on the uh, on on this game because there's so much hype around it. You know what I mean? Maybe that's what it is. Yeah, yeah, um, maybe so. I, I don't know, but yeah, you know, we got the Eagles Thursday as we mentioned, but then yeah, the so the doubleheader and they're not really spaced out all that much. One game is at seven, one's at eight fifteen. Oh wow! Uh, yeah, the early game is the Saints and the Panthers, and the late game is the Browns and the Steelers. And how about the Browns are favored at at Pittsburgh in this Ooh. game. Kind I'm of interesting, right? I'm not surprised after what they did to Cincinnati. Yeah. I'm not surprised. You but know, man, can, can, will Mike Tomlin open 0 2, two home losses? Possible. I mean, yeah. you know, he was what, three games below sea level, found a way to end up nine and eight. So it's possible. Yeah. Yeah. You it know. sure is. Uh, all right. Let's take a timeout. We'll come back. We'll hit a couple college things uh, that are going on. And uh, we got some birthdays for you. We got all kinds of stuff in store for you. Uh, when we return. So don't go anywhere. Hey, I'm going to give you another reminder uh, about Bravo pizza here before we get a timeout, because we, you know, we know what a, what today stands for, what nine 11, uh, you know, means. And I think it's just really cool what Bravo pizza of Havertown and Bravo pizza of Oxford are doing. So uh, between now and 8 PM, if you stop into either location, uh, 12% of, of anything that, that you spend, will go to Team Foster. And Team Foster does an amazing job. Uh, and it, 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 for starters, Team Foster is founded in honor of Eric Foster, who was a captain in the Army. He was an Army Ranger, and he was killed in action in Iraq in, in 2007. But Team Foster's mission is no hero left behind. And Team Foster raises money to provide service dogs and uh, for disabled veterans. And to this date, they have raised nearly $2 million dollars and helped to partner nearly 500 dogs with veterans in need. And, and it's, look, these, these dogs are highly skilled. They are life-saving animals who have been trained for two years and cost nearly $25,000 per dog. Uh, you can go to teamfoster.org slash donate. That's teamfoster.org slash donate. Or you can stop on out to either Bravo Pizza of Havertown or Bravo Pizza of Oxford and they're located at, and we'll start with Bravo pizza here. Uh, they are located at 1305 Westchester Pike Manoa shopping center in Havertown, 1305 Westchester Pike Manoa shopping center in Havertown, 610-446-3810. Then the Bravo pizza in Oxford is at 601 commons drive, Oxford PA 610-467-1686. Any help would be appreciated. Uh, we'll be right back.
I remember getting my heart broken when they lost the Super Bowl in 2004. We were big Eagles fans. We moved to South Philly because of the Eagles. When they won, we went straight to Broad Street and uh, everybody was going nuts over there and it was just a, a memory that you'll never forget. You own a company and you're not producing a podcast, you're missing out. The public consumes messaging when they're ready. Join the professional podcast network of companies and let Jacob Media Partners put you in the podcast arena. Come to our professional studio or we'll come to your place of business and professionally produce your company podcast. Call Jacob Media right now at 267-261-3428. 267-261-3428. Heading down the shore. Here, imaginations run wild and time stands still. Because here, you can find the best of the Jersey Shore all on one five-mile island. So leave the old you behind and get lost in the woods. at Southeastern PA in Delaware with Colony Pools this football season. And let the experts close your pool with a custom Merlin safety cover in green for the birds. And if you join our winter watch team, we'll give you another 20% off and Colony Pools will handle it all. Keep your tiles on your pool, not in your pool. Fly with Colony right now, birds fans. Visit flywithcolony.com. are back appreciate you hanging out with us on this uh on this monday we, we got some weird weather in our area gunner we, we got some torrential pours and then it's sunny and then it's pouring again <laughs> it's strange and then, my, and then my uh my kids are telling me about this what hurricane lee this possibly yeah, i didn't even know about that you talked about it during our pre-show meeting i didn't even hear about that my and they're talking about it could be heading this way either late th- this week or early next week Yeesh. and yeah. 
I'm thinking that they keep saying it's shifting. They thought it was going to go away, but now it's supposed to be coming up the coast. And usually we get the pro- tropical depressions after it hits like Florida, right. north of South Carolina. But supposedly we could be in for a deluge of, of heavy rain whenever it gets here. I didn't know that. Wow. Okay. All right. Scary, right? That, that, you know, that's for sure. Uh, we'll see. Be careful out there, people. All right. So uh, college football, Gunner, Colorado does it again. They beat up on Nebraska. A game that was – they were Nebraska was kind of hanging around a little bit, and then Colorado really put it on them in the second half uh, and ended up winning the game. And they're now off to a 2-0 start. I'll tell you, Shador Sanders looks phenomenal. The, the quarterback, Deion. Uh, there's a question. You have to consider him as a Heisman candidate now the way he's playing. 100%. His arm strength, his accuracy is ridiculous. Um, you know, and this is a Colorado team that's playing with a lot of uh, chips on his shoulder. The first game against TEU, it yep. was a chip of they were 20-point underdogs, and everybody thought they were not going to be much better than the team that was 1-11 a season ago. They shocked the world and become the talk of the nation last week. And mm-hmm. then they went in and you find out coming in that the team took exception to some things Matt Rule had said about the way Dion went about putting his program together during the offseason. So they yep. took that personal. So this is a team that has a lot of chips on his shoulder. And while I think this is – I still think it's a team that's susceptible to a good running team. But we're going to find out exactly how good this Colorado team is when they have to go back-to-back weeks – against Oregon and USC. That's yeah. what we'll find out what team's made of. Yeah, and a big rivalry game this week with Colorado State, you know. Colorado so that's, State, that's yeah. That's always a big one. Yeah, you're right. Um, but, it's look, they, they're they must-watch. The ratings are going through the roof. They're going to have, like, all the, uh, you know, Fox's pregame and ESPN's blah, blah, blah are, are all going to be at Colorado this week. It's amazing the way that that thing has flipped from from them being totally irrelevant to completely relevant. It's it's amazing the way that works. And, sure. and has Gus Johnson become the designated play-by-play <laughs> man for, for Colorado? That's two weeks in a row he called the game, isn't it? I, you know, you put your A team on, on the team that's getting the ratings, right? I mean, that's what you do. So, yeah. I still think the greatest story uh, pertaining to – I guarantee you, somebody's going to write a book about this season. I guarantee you. From the I time Dion walked into that organization – and talked about you guys better put your names in the portal to um, I'm coming and I'm bringing Louis, you know, with me, Louis Vuitton. Yeah. Yeah. Already naming his starting quarterback before the quarterback had officially transferred to Colorado to bringing in 87 new players to shocking the world out of the gate. I th- somebody's going to write a book on this season. But I think the most phenomenal story about this program is they hired Dion and didn't have the money, a five-year, $29.5 million contract. The athletic director said we don't have the money to pay him all the money to pay him right now, and they raised twenty eight million before the season even started. Incredible! <laughs> That's, I've never heard of a story like that. I think Derek, they're they're already documenting everything uh, behind the scenes, and I think they're gonna there's gonna be a do, a Netflix docu series on on this season. Yes. It wouldn't surprise me yes. one bit. Yeah, uh, um, so we'll see what happens with that. Um, all right. Beyond that, beyond that, uh, this this one is a weird story. Uh, Mel Tucker, who is the oh. head football coach at Michigan State, is now uh, suspended. Uh, 
as they they are there's an inquiry now there there there's an investigation going on into claims that he sexually harassed a prominent sexual assault awareness speaker after she was hired to address the Spartan team like okay so basically the way this the 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 this has gone down is uh, Brenda Tracy is her name she operates a nonprofit company that tries to raise awareness about sexual misconduct among college athletes she told university investigators that Tucker uh, sent her gifts and asked if they could go out on a date and there was other stuff which I'm not going to get into that yeah. went on but all I'm going to say is like this is the woman that you're going to allegedly it's all alleged do this with Who's there to raise awareness for, you know, harassment? I mean, I, seriously. I, I, again, I, this is one you got to be careful and just wait till it all comes out. I get it. But, but I, I don't understand in this day and age when so many of these stories have popped up and has become have become national wildfire type stories, how this coach, who, by the way, signed one of the richest contracts in the history of college football, would put himself in a position like that. And he admitted there was a relationship. He he says it's consensual. Yep. She says it's not. Um, so right now it's a lot of he said, she, uh, she said. I'm not going to get into, you know, a lot of what I've read about this this article, but you've got to be smarter than that. As a leader of young men, now how do you go into your locker room and on your practice field and tell young men, don't do this, don't do that, and you're in the right midst of a firestorm of something that you're telling your young men not to do? Yeah. I don't understand that one. Yeah. Uh, you know, we'll see again, let, let's let it play out and, and let's find out what happens, but that's, what's going on right now. He is, he is being suspended or he is, he's, uh, he is suspended. Not being, he is suspended right now. So we'll see what ends up happening there uh, with Michigan state. All right, Derek, let's do some, uh, let's do some birthdays. And then I want to, I want to swing it back to the Eagles and, and, and talk about the prep that goes into this week and how challenging mm. it is uh, with the Sunday to Thursday game. Okay. Uh, we'll start with uh, Taraje uh, Hanson Henson, who was 53 years old uh, actress. Very good. Great actress. role in proud Mary and hidden figures. The role she played in Higgins hidden figures. Of course, her claim to fame is playing in that series of empire for so empire. long, but her yeah. role that she played in proud Mary and hidden figures is superb. She's good. She's intense. She is good. Uh, Ludacris is 46 today. Happy birthday. You know, isn't it funny how he, he's become as much of a, a world renowned rapper as he was. He's become even more famous for being in a fast and furious series. He's a very good actor. Like he's done he like, uh, law and order episodes where he, he's, yes. he's very good. Yeah. I think if he just concentrated on that, he could, you know, do a ton more, but he's, he's great at balancing both. Yeah. I give him yeah. props. Uh, Ferdinand Marcos, who was the president of the Philippines mm. back in the day, was born on this day in 1917. Harry Connick Jr., the, the actor, singer, uh, piano player, is 56 years old today, and talk show host, 56 years old today. Virginia Madsen, the actress, is 62 today. Bear Bryant, Paul Bear yeah. Bryant, was born on this day in 1913, Derek. Uh, one of the all-time, all-time all-timers. Always uh, had a little fedora on. The fedora. On. The, the houndstooth fedora is what he yes, used sir. to wear. Uh, Christy McNichol, the actress. Uh, she was a child actress back in the day, 61 years old today. Speaking of coaches, uh, Tom Landry. Speaking of fedoras, Tom Landry. Mm. Uh, born on this day in 1924. 
Uh, how about that? Hey, he and Bear born on the same day. Isn't that you know? It's crazy. Uh, Moby, the uh, the singer, is 58 years old today. Ed Reed, the great safety, is 45 today. Yeah. Oh, he's he's a top five ever, right? I mean, at his yeah. position. Absolutely. Uh, Amy Madigan, the actress, is 73 years old today. Brian De Palma, the director, is 83 years old today. Sean Livingston. Oh, oh, God. No, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Pa- De Palma's list of movies is insane. Is that where you're going with that? Oh, my yes. God. Yes. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. From Scarface to Carrie, The Untouchables, Casualties of War, Carlito's Way. My goodness. You're talking yeah, about prolific. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of a lot, a lot of great, great content produced by him, man. That's for sure. Um, Sean Livingston, who who was uh, really uh, one of the looked like his career was going to be phenomenal. He had a bad leg injury. It took it took him a few years to come back, but to his credit, he came back and carved out a nice career. But uh, he turns thirty eight today. Uh, Lola Falana, the singer oh, yeah. and actress, eighty one today, eighty one years uh, yeah. young. Uh, Dan Quinn, the Cowboys defensive coordinator. He is 53 Ooh, today. Oh, oh, oh. Man, oh my that, goodness. Yeah, that was that was quite a way to kick off the birthday celebration last night. Uh, Tommy Shaw from Sticks is 70 years old today. Mike Mustaka still hanging around in the uh, in Major League Baseball. He's 35 today. Eduardo Perez, uh, one of the analysts for ESPN. Uh, for their Sunday night telecast. He does a lot of work for them as well. He's the son of Tony Perez. He is 54 today. Uh, any other birthdays for you, d Yeah, the DJ Chicago is 32 today. Great DJ. Um, Gerald Wilkins, former NBA player, 60 today. Huh. Former major leaguer, Ellis Burks, is 59 today. He's a good player. Yeah, good player. Played 18 seasons for five different teams. Yep. And a world-renowned Christian artist, Crystal Lewis, is 54 today. Okay, okay. Uh, That's it. Any movies, any movies from you today? Uh, let's see. Contagion was a good movie. Very Came good. out in 2011. Yep. Uh, let's see. Uh, a Jazz Man's Blues was a good movie. Came out in 2022. Mm-hmm. Uh, Slums of Beverly Hills, 1998. Yes, uh, Rounders, 1998, and Excellent. Sorority Soror, Sorority Row, one of those slasher movies, I guess, okay. came out in 2009. All right. All right. That's good. Um, all right. So um, looking ba- looking at this week, so normally what happens is Monday's a treatment day, Tuesday's yep. an off day, Wednesday they start the, the install, okay? And – what they have to do today, Derek, is basically combo about three things into one day today. And yep. then tomorrow you start the install. Wednesday you have a walkthrough. Thursday you play. It is a real, real challenge, man, to, to, to pull off what they're trying to pull off this week, both teams. It, it's, it's really difficult, especially because you have a lot of guys who aren't quite in the condition they need to be in coming off of yesterday's game, and they're going to have to turn it around even quicker and play on Thursday. Your middle linebacker out, your your Pro Bowl corner is out. That's a that's a big problem. Yeah. Um, especially when you have some of the firepower that the Vikings have at the wideout positions on this mm-hmm. team. That front that front is going to have to get home. You're going to have to make Kirk Cousins as uncomfortable 
as possible, and it's imperative they establish a running game to go along with their passing game against this Vikings defense. Um, the unknown commodity for both teams is the coordinators. Yep. You know, Brian Johnson, Sean Desai, um, and Flores uh, for, for Minnesota. Those are the unknown entities going into this game, both coming out of games, all three coming out of games knowing they have work to do to get their team in a hurry where it needs to be. So it's going to be somewhat unpredictable in terms of what, what are we going to be looking at on both sides of the football, mm-hmm. you know, come Thursday night. Hey, can um, you see this? Uh, can you see this? A fly just landed on my screen. Can you say it's literally on my screen? Can you see it? I don't see it. Tell now, me, see if you can take me in a one shot here. I don't it's see right it. in the middle of my, of my screen. Oh man! All right, now, now it just crawled away. Yeah, here we go. Let's right, see. see if you can still take it as a one tone. Let's see if you can, if you can, if you can see it. So you see it? Do you see it, Gunner? Oh, it just flew away. Oh, oh man! See it. It, was, it was it was so funny. It was it was right in the middle of my. I've never seen one. Just Are you serious? I swear no. to God. Yeah. Was, well, so what I was doing early. So my dog. Long story short. So so. My dog had my dog went to the groomer and they they kind of clipped her ear a little bit and it got infected. So long story short, we put one of the you know those cones that you put on a dog so they can't, you know, get at their they can't scratch themselves, you know, yeah, you know that. Yeah. So she had one of the cones on. So earlier I had to keep the door I, I I kept the sliding door open really wide so she could get in and out of the door while I'm on the air. Okay. And she can go to the bathroom when she needs to. But the problem when you right. do that is you let you let flies in and bugs come Absolutely. in. Absolutely. So I'm dealing with flies, you know, floating around here. So it's uh, people think I'm out of my mind. I'm not making it up. There was a fly that landed like right on my screen. I'm Rob, not that. I'm crazy, but I'm not that crazy yet. Okay. Rob, Rob have you? Um, I mean, we're fam- we're family here. Um, did you hit the bottle before the show this morning? It, yeah. Let's have an intervention, Derek. I need. Did, um, no, is no. there something? If you if you experience a problem, just blink twice, blink and twice. I will send somebody to your house. Um, uh, are you sure you're okay, Rob? Yeah. Now you know what it is. Sometimes just don't share. Just don't share things. Okay. Not you learn this to, already? Not everything needs to be spoken out loud. Hey, out hey, loud. Speak, hey speaking of flies, now this summer every <laughs> it's weird. Every time I'm outside grilling, yeah, it's like flies come from everywhere, and it's like I take out the bug assault gun, and my my, my family's like, would you look at him? He's out there having more fun shooting flies off walls and the furniture than he is actually grilling. But my wife bought me this pack of fly strips, you know, to hang from the pergola. And she bought it for me like in early August. I couldn't find it. I couldn't find it. I'm looking. I couldn't find it. I found it last week sitting right in front of me on my cabinet where I keep my tools in the garage. He's been sitting right there the whole time for like a month. (laughs) But now that the weather's starting to change, I mean, I need them. Yeah. yeah. I know I mean, you guys were having fun with that thing. Uh, you, you know, that, that, that salt. It's something. like a salt. Uh... Let me tell you something. You fill this thing with table salt. It'll fire. Once it's filled, it'll fire like 80, 85 shots. It's a pump action <laughs> pump action gun, right? I'm going to tell you something, Rob. You need yeah. to get one, brother. I, can, I think it'd do some damage. I know. I know, man. I know. The I only bad part about it is, is you got to get up on them. And when you do, if you hit them right, they don't, you don't just hit them and then they just knock, you just knock them off. Sometimes I've hit a fly, Rob, and you look up, and there's a little red blood splat on the wall where you just splattered them all over the place. Yeah, I, I, I'm telling you, man, these guys, I'm getting killed in the chat, but it really did happen. That's all I'm going to say. And we'll, Rob, we'll just leave it at that. Did your wife hit you again? Did, did, do you I need blinked. 
can can I send somebody to your house, Rob? Yes. Let me know. Hey, by the way, not to put a damper on your your day, but have you been keeping one eye on the Phillies game? Oh, don't remind me. I, I I know what's going on. I'm trying to ignore it. I'm trying to enjoy myself, Derek. You're not letting me enjoy myself. Okay, it's not good. I know. What else it just gave up. It just gave up back to back. The pitching's just been putrid. Uh, all right, let's. I do told you I don't trust this. I can't trust this no. staff. Hey, excited for tomorrow. So we have Adam Kaplan. Yes. From, yes. From, yes. Inside Birds is going to be joining us, and he's awesome. Uh, so Adam's going to be joining us at one o'clock tomorrow. Dave's and Garrow uh, will be coming up on Thursday at twelve thirty. So we got a lot in store for you tomorrow. I want to thank. I will guy. not be with you on Thursday. Yes, you will be en route to uh, to Ocean. Ocean can see it. Yeah, Ocean can see it. Ocean get ready show. for the pre. Yeah. Okay. So, unfortunately, my man, I'm leaving you hanging Thursday. But we got you covered, man. We got right. you covered. Yeah, we'll All have right. fun. We'll have fun. I uh, want to thank Tone to Shields producing the program. Tone, appreciate you, man. Thank you very much. Uh, thanks to everybody in the stream, everybody listening, uh, everybody, uh, everybody hanging out with us, everybody in the chat room. Thank you very much. Don't go anywhere. You have the National Football Show with Dan Cilio coming your way. Derek and I back tomorrow. Same bad time, same bad channel. See you. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.